This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of these airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features that await you there. freetalklive.com is the place to go. You can actually create the content of the site. So when you find something online that you think is interesting, you think our listeners would enjoy hearing or seeing it, you can submit it as show prep over at freetalklive.com. And then others can vote. So you vote on what you like and vote down what you don't. And then the most voted up make it to the front page and the top of the site, freetalklive.com. There's definitely something coming up we're talk- going to talk about because all three of us brought it in uh, independently of one another. And that is the, uh, the kids. There's new fad, the new craze. Well, I don't know how crazed kids are for it, but maybe in some places. Somebody wrote a news story about it. Yeah, it's more popular apparently in some places than others. It's drinking hand sanitizer, and we can tell you more about that on the way here. But last night we were talking about cults, and I mentioned there was news about uh, Placido Domingo, who is a famous singer. Uh, and he apparently was involved in the Church of Scientology, or the cult of Scientology, for 20 years. And one of the aspects of cults last night that we were talking about is how, in order to get out of a cult, the kind of the, one of the hallmarks of a cult is a real it's, cult. It's yeah. difficult to get out of. Right. It's not easy. They're going to intimidate you. They've told you all kinds of uh, scary stories about you know what God might do to you or whatever the intimidation tactic is. But there's usually some sort of pressure to stay in the cult. And so that was kind of a question on the table because we've talked a lot about Scientology over the years on Free Talk Live. We've had Scientologists call into the show. We've had former uh, people who've formerly been in Scientology uh, call to tell us about it. And it definitely meets the the hallmarks of the cult but the one of them that i don't know if we heard a lot about was the getting out part i don't sure think, i don't recall hearing sounds like most it. people are there voluntarily is you know i'm sure that's what they want you to think right and we do know that uh, scientology does have a bit of a penchant uh at least the the high level church of scientology folks uh, do have a penchant for suing uh, people that are cri- critical of Scientology. Yeah, every time them. every time the Free Talk Live talks about Scientology, they take their uh, they, their lives in their own hands. <laughs> right. We've never been sued, uh, thankfully, but we've certainly talked about Scientology and then had them call in that same night. Multiple Scientologists calling in, yes. you know, to uh, to jump on it. So they're very good at, uh, I guess, reacting to critiques, but they're also. Uh, you know, using the aggressive government court system to go after their critics in a way that they shouldn't, at least if you agree with free speech. So it doesn't seem like they really do. Uh, and of course, your comments are welcome if you are involved in Scientology or you were involved. 855-450-FREE. But the news is about what it what it was like for uh, someone relatively famous to get out of Scientology. You would think that even if they were on one hand going to be repressive and controlling of the average member of Scientology, you know, to, to try to keep them in the cult, that they would at least be a little more, I guess, careful with how they handle someone that could easily go and get news coverage, somebody that has uh, a name, somebody that is recognizable in, in public, that they might take it a little easier with that person. Would that make sense? It no. makes perfect sense. No, Well, it, it does make sense, but it, they can also be trying to make an example of him. They could. They could. You but know, it's a high-profile it's, example. Uh, so here's what happened. According to Village Voice, 
Uh, they talked to Placido Domingo Jr., the son of a famous tenor and well-known musician in his own right, and he had plenty to say about the way Scientology has treated him and his family. A member of Scientology for 20 years, Domingo says he's now done with the church and angry for the way it tried to make him disconnect from his ex-wife, Samantha, who is the mother of his three daughters. He refused and says Scientology is retaliating against him in scary and pathetic ways. So I apologize. This was actually the son of Placido Domingo. Uh, early- oh, I thought you knew that. I you said before that it was Junior. I guess you didn't I, know that Placido Domingo's last name there wasn't didn't have the appellate of Junior. It's not that famous to me, I guess. Okay. But uh, I saw the name. And uh, earlier today, it's regardless uh, that uh, they he ta- is you know he is a musician himself, right? And so he talked about how uh, the Scientology had put out a mass call for church members to unfriend him on Facebook. <laughs> uh, later in the evening, he called back to say the church had escalated its attack on him by posting to a blog details of his personal life that he only revealed in what he thought were confidential, what they call auditing sessions. Hmm. So that's interesting. I mean, these things have that feel of psychology and and the sort of uh, where, you know, whatever counseling sessions where one might have the protection of, uh, you know, doctor patient protection situation privileges. But it's not that Um, it's something that's like it. But doesn't have those protections. Apparently not. Not if you're trying to leave Scientology. It's all it's protected until you uh, decide to leave the church. Apparently, it's an outrage. Uh, he says it's penitent uh, privilege information. Imagine if they did that to Tom Cruise or John Travolta. My God, he said tonight via telephone. Domingo and his older brother Jose have both been long Scientologists, or have both long been Scientologists, and their famous father has never questioned it. He says. Uh, that uh, he's never been involved in it, apparently. Domingo and Samantha met in the church in 1994 and eventually had three daughters. Although they're now divorced, they do they do remain close as they raise their children. Uh, Samantha That's lives good. in England, and he lives in Miami. And apparently, uh, sh- sh- let's see, they go on to say here that she's been critical of Scientology. And when she began to communicate openly with uh, Marty Rathburn, who I guess is a, pro- a problematic former member of Scientology, he apparently has a blog where he speaks out against uh, Scientology. So she's been uh, communicating openly with this gentleman and then was put on the church's blacklist I at that point. Uh, she says, I was speaking about abuses that I'd seen within the church. The problem is the alterations they're making in the technology, how it's all been screwed up, and now it's nothing but greed and corruption. So at one time, she says, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was the right Scientology. Now it's all about uh, the money. Well, we don't know um, whether that's the case or not. I mean, I I tend to uh, chuckle to myself, too. But what do we know about Scientology? True. After speaking out publicly, she then began to communicate with this uh, blogger, Rathburn. And she says that was the nail in my coffin as far as the church was concerned. For more than a year, members of Scientology's Office of Special Affairs, its Intelligence and Covert Operations Wing, Good Lord. <laughs> have been pressuring this lady uh, to cut off ties, excuse me, has been pressuring Domingo uh, to cut off ties with his ex-wife. So she got on the blacklist for speaking out against some of what she called abuses within the church. They then turn against him, who's still in the church at that time, and they say, you either cut ties with this lady, disconnect from her, or... Or else. Well, one of the classic signs of a cult is you um, are when you join, um, you're supposed to cut off all ties with people who aren't also joining the cult. Right. So they if isolate, your family doesn't join, right, cut them you're off. done with them. So that they've been isolated 
by joining this church. And so now the social the social support that they may have gotten in whatever realm of their life, um, they've now lost that or the church pressures people doesn't seem very I I, I hate to use the word Christian. It just doesn't well, seem very Christian. golden rule to me. <laughs> right. You, so, you know. Now, do we know that uh, Scientology requires you to cut off relations with family members? Disconnection is a well-known policy in Scientology. Members are required to cut off all communication with people the church considers problematic, even if that means splitting up families. So if your family's not on the blacklist, then... I guess it's okay to uh, to keep them on board. Right, because I'm thinking that, you know, mostly what they're looking for is people to go out and evangelize so they can bring more people in. And who better to evangelize than your family? Oh, absolutely. But I think that uh, that there's probably – I'm just going to speculate here just based on, you know, cults. Uh, eventually, if the family's not coming on board – there's probably people within the cult that are going to tell you, let's say you're, you're new in Scientology, Mark, and you just can't bring uh, your mom on board and you're just having a really tough time. Eventually, somebody's going to tell you something like, hey, you know, you might want to consider disconnecting from her. She's, she's, she's bad for your thetans. It's probably not an official I'll- church policy of disconnect with the family that doesn't come on board, but I bet you that that's Certainly if it causes you to ask questions, I would imagine that's the case. Right. So uh, so stop making those waves, right? Uh, Domingo, according to the story here at Village Voice, uh, disconnection is a well-known policy. They asked that any communication, says Samantha, between us went through an attorney, and so he wouldn't have to go through me. Is that a church-sanctioned attorney? I, I would presume. Domingo told me the same thing. Quote, it was suggested that I get an attorney that I could communicate with my children so I could stay away from my ex-wife. It was insane, he says. There's more coming up here at 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can, of course, take control of these airwaves. And maybe you've got experience with Scientology from the inside, or maybe you've lost a family member to it. 855-450-FREE. Have you been disconnected? You can take control here and bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live, 1-855-450-FREE. In the amazing universe of podcasts, one podcast stands alone in excellence of broadcasting and neurology. It's verbalsurgery.com. That's right, verbalsurgery.com. Get your brain in gear. Get it full speed ahead. Get it going right now, baby, because you are awesome, awesome, awesome. And this podcast, when you listen to it, you will feel better right now. So go to verbalsurgery.com. Get with the program, baby. This is Free Talk Live. Toll-free number here for you tonight, 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And you can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. All the features that await you there are completely free. So enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. And those features include archives going all the way back to late 2006. All free. Download as many as you like at your leisure. And cost you nothing over at freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live brought to you by Porcupine Freedom Festival 2012. It's coming up in less than two months from now. It's going to be a blast. It always is. Over a thousand people came to the Porcupine Freedom Festival last year, and it just keeps getting bigger every year. So it's a great time to be around hundreds of other like minded, liberty oriented people, people that understand what the ideas of freedom mean. You don't have to start your conversation trying to get through what those ideas are about. You can talk about other uh, interesting things or, or you know, subtle distinctions or whatever it is that you want to. It's a, it's a networking, it's a 
social event. It's a fun event. There's family event, you know, family uh, gathering kind of events. There's uh, stuff for teenagers. There's singles and couples and, you know, all kinds of everything. Musical performances, comedians. Uh, it's a, just a blast. Panel discussions. Free Talk Live will be broadcasting live there every single night. So you don't want to miss this. Uh, not to mention all the agorism as well. People setting up, vending food without getting government permission, for instance. You can head on over to porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com. Get registered there. You have probably less than a week now to get the early bird registration discount over at Porkfest, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com. As we continue here tonight, joining you in the studio, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. We've been talking uh, about Scientology again. We didn't really get too deep into Scientology last night. One of the... One of the things I wanted to hear about was what is it like to leave Scientology? How difficult is it? Because they certainly indicate the the factors of this this cult uh, definitely are there. I mean, the, the kind of the hallmarks, the traditional hallmarks of a cult, as we were just talking about disconnection, the idea of disconnecting oneself from one's supportive family, one's friends. Uh, for instance, if they're on Scientology's blacklist, and perhaps even if they are critical. Uh, vocally critical of Scientology towards the Scientologist, perhaps cutting them off for those reasons. And that's always a real big red alert uh, that you might be getting involved in a cult. But also, a lot of cults make it difficult to leave. And recently, uh, Placido Domingo Jr. discovered that that's the case uh, when it comes to Scientology. They had instructed him to disconnect from his ex-wife because she had come out as a critic of Scientology. She teamed up with a blogger who's, I guess, pretty notorious for critiquing Scientology, another former member, and they put her on the blacklist and told him, hey, you can't talk to her. If you, if you need to communicate with her, you need to do it through an attorney. So if you want to talk to your kids, you have to do it through an attorney. And he said that it was insane. I uh, said, I don't think anyone has the right to tell someone who they can speak to or see, especially when it comes to spiritual freedom. For me, it's easy. I adore my children, and I really get along with my ex-wife. I told them, you're nuts. Domingo says he decided to stop engaging in Scientology services. This, by the way, the Village Voice reporting. Even though he still has a high regard for founder L. Ron Hubbard and his philosophies. He says, but I'm not uh, going to allow anybody to tell me who I can talk to. So basically, I consider myself at a neutral point. I am no longer a member. So Good for him. Yeah. Recently. Well, you know, I'm I'm just thinking about this uh, disassociation thing, and you'd said, you know, if uh, if somebody was a member of the Scientologist Church and their family member was, you know, not coming on board or maybe had some negative things to say about the religion, that at some point somebody within the religion would probably tell them, hey, it's time to cut loose that family member, mom or dad or whoever mm. it was. But, you know, thinking about it, Christianity will do the same thing. Um, I mean, there are, there are verses out there that basically suggests that you should leave um you know uh, leave behind people who are you know apostates or um you know aren't aren't on board and that kind of thing well right and uh, you can find all kinds of uh, passages in the bible to justify uh, all manner of things and really as we've discussed the difference between uh, christianity and uh, or a religion an organized religion and a cult is really the amount of societal acceptance uh, that it has, at least in most people's minds. I think that's what differentiates it. So a lot of organized religions may have all the hallmarks of a cult because technically they're a cult just writ large, like the government. It's a cult, but it's writ so large people don't realize they're part of a cult. Eight, I, five, hmm. I think there's more to it than that. I think there are definitely – there are at least six different cult um, characteristics 
characteristic lists um, I'm looking at. Yeah, the there are several. UC Berkeley list. It has 19 characteristics. And there are some things here that I'm not really sure that they would apply to general uh, mainstream religion necessarily. But I, I would certainly say that they apply to Scientology and a couple of, uh, of other organizations that I've had some experience with. It's like it's true, but not every uh, factor will apply to every cult. That's true as well. That's true as well. But I don't see churches really sending out uh, uh, big bunches of people to recruit. Um, Mormon church? That's true, but not Catholics. or Jehovah's Witnesses? Well, the Catholics do their recruitment in different ways. They provide community Missions. service uh, that, uh, in in hopes that uh, you know that that community service will you know rub off on people and they'll right. And think about Christian missions going around the world to various different places and applying their Christianity on people. Which you know, I frankly, those people get a benefit out of it. So you know, what are you going to complain? Carol can't really complain about that one. When you say those people get a benefit, are you talking about the people that are the targets of the missionaries? Yes, or? generally. Well, I don't know if they would all agree with you Is on that. Is it worth it? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, they may have like, you know, an indigenous people with kind of an old uh, tribal belief system. And then you've got the Christians coming in there. And how is that benefiting them exactly? If they're building houses, providing education or medical treatment. Oh, I see. The bribes are what are benefiting. It's a bribe? Or is it conditions? I can't believe a, a, you're talking about bribes. If somebody voluntarily accepts something, that's a bribe? Well, right. Is it a condition, though? I mean, do they have to go to church in order to accept those things? What difference would it make? Well, it does make a difference. It I mean, if you me. if you apply it to the foster care system here, when I was um, in placement as a kid, I was in three uh, religious affiliated houses. Mm-hmm. Could not take the Lord's name in vain. Needed to go to church. Foster foster homes had to go to church, and and yeah, that is a condition. Well, that's uh, but you're saying one. that's a benefit just because they get you know a free house or something like that out of it. And I'm just telling you that some people might not see it as a benefit because they may see it as these Christians coming in and meddling with a hundreds of years old. Those people are meddlers yeah. too. Okay, Wait, so if what? I not if want to take a tribe that sits in the the forest and you know leaves okay. everybody alone. Oh, hold on a second. That if the guy happen. in the next hut oh, here wants to tell me how I'm going to live my life and whose whose church service I have to I can go sit in in order to get free crap. We're not crap, talking about that. You're We're saying some people might not like it. They may not see it as a benefit. Well, I didn't like it in foster care. Well, that, but this is what, you, what a, you're talking about in foster right. care. Okay, so you're I'm dealing with two situations here. Okay. Shut up, Ian. Oh, uh, so. I'm sorry. What'd you say? <laughs> yeah, I tried to turn right. off your microphone. I want to talk so to two. T- I can't talk to two people at once. Okay, shut. Oh, wait. Why don't you calm down? Oh, Did you drink oh, caffeine before I didn't. the show? Sh- oh, leave me alone so oh, I can wait. answer her question. I can wait. There's a different situation with foster kids. Foster kids are forced to go to a particular foster home. They don't have an option. It's not like a mission, a missionary, where people come into your little tribe and they pass out food or education or whatever. You have the option of taking their food or education or medicine if you want it. As a foster child, you didn't have an option. Right. True. I mean, the foster care system said, you're going to go to these people's house. And then these people said, you're not going to take the Lord's name in vain. And consequently, mm-hmm. you cuss like a sailor. So, I mean, <laughs> we can see how it worked out. Now, can I help you now that I've dealt with the lady? What, help me what? Or did help you just want to badger is, me while I was talking to somebody? Help me understand how it is that missionaries are going to necessarily uh, improve everybody's life. I'll tell you what, we'll come back and talk about it more in technology is created that upends the foundations of society the wheel the printing press the internet now in a world sliding into financial chaos a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world it is called bitcoin 
Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live, toll-free number here, 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that await you over at freetalklive.com. Those features include listening options. We have broadband, midband, narrowband streams, three different sizes for different internet connections. You can go to listen.freetalklive.com to get tuned in 24-7. Also, we've got, of course, uh, radio stations, a bunch of them, over 100 AM and FM great stations across the country that air the show at various times throughout the week. In addition, we're on XM Satellite Radio on two channels, plus our KU Band free-to-air channel, the webcam, and the listen lines that allow you to call from any phone that can dial long distance. And listen that way. Plenty of ways to get Free Talk Live into your ears at listen.freetalklive.com. All of them free. That's uh, that's what you can count on Free Talk Live for as we try to make it just as easy as possible to listen to the show. Freedom's Phoenix, uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's the re- what the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided the detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship that we all have with coercive governments. Freedomsphoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. Go now to freedomsphoenix.com and sign up for their free daily dispatch. It's freedomsphoenix.com. We started out talking about Scientology and uh, what they're doing to Placido Domingo Jr. as he is um, refusing to disconnect from his ex-wife at the behest of the church. They have then put him on the outs and he has decided that uh, you know he doesn't want to be associated with the church anymore as a result of what they were trying to do to him. And it somehow led into a discussion about missionaries. And it's your suggestion, Mark, or assertion that missionaries benefit uh, the people that they go out on missions on. I would say they would have to benefit the people that they would go out on missions on because the people whom they benefit are making decisions to be benefited. And if they're not, they're slaves, right? Well, and uh, Nemi made up a great, you know, asked a great question. Are there strings attached to these freebies and the goodies? So they're going to, missionaries are going to come down, build some houses or build a school or maybe a medical center or something like that, provide some health care or education services. Just join us for a morning prayer. Right. Do they have to join them for I a, suspect a not because not. the kind of hard sell that you're talking about here doesn't seem like it would work very well. It, does, it seems right? like, sure, honky. I'll go to whatever you got, and then when you're gone, I'm done. Like that, we've got a couple thousand years of uh, Christi- spreading Christianity here, and uh, by the sword isn't really a very effective way to do it anymore. I think that everybody here would agree that would be a, what, a real threats poor of hell? approach. Threats of hell seem to be effective. Hell, hell, hell's fine uh, because you're not doing it; somebody else is. You know, it's God and. He's strange, well, right? Regardless, let's take that off. The, let's take it off the table. The idea that there might be a string attached. Let's just say they are going up and they're just building this stuff and they're having their services and they're inviting everyone to come in. Hey, look, we give you all this stuff. You might want to come by and join us. We can't force you. Either way, I, I think it could still be argued, depending on your perspective, that that's not benefiting these people. There's a perspective out there that suggests that, and it may be right. Uh, I think it's you know it's got some some good points to it that. 
these are indigenous people and they have their uh, their spiritual traditions and that these Christians are coming in here offering all these wonderful gizmos and, and education or whatever, houses, etc., and that they're they're despoiling, if you will, the uh, that which has come before or those uh, those traditions. Even if people are coming to them voluntarily to, you know, oh, we appreciate the I love the how voluntarily that, is now under quotes. Yeah. Uh, even if they're coming to them voluntarily because they, you know, need medical care or whatever, and they start to, you know, hear these ideas about hell and it's persuasive and then they change into Christians. Some people could look at that and say, that's not benefiting these people. That's because coercion. I don't know if it's really coercion. I think that's, that's I think it's it, borderline but, coercion. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the speaking of hell is borderline coercion, but only if you believe that it, you don't believe it's true. And that's the problem. That's the problem with the whole hell shtick is that if you believe in hell and you tell somebody watch out for hell, then you're not coercing them because you believe it's true. However, if you say to somebody that, uh, hey, you do what I say you're going to do or you're going to spend the rest of eternity in fiery torment, then you're just a big, fat, nasty liar. Um, so, you know, there's well, this- they may. <laughs> OK. It's not necessarily coercion, okay, though, because so, no one's ever forced to come to their church, but there certainly are incentives that are there that could, in I'd theory, like to, destroy indigenous tribes' I'd spiritual traditions. I'd love to, traditions. D- to talk about that. Okay, so this indigenous tribe is not a real thing. What we have are people, and people, some of them, may wish to have better schooling, better medicine, and you know, little gizmos that go ping, right? And, and you're saying what your that's suggestion good. is, oh, wait a second, I'm not done uh, addressing it. Your suggestion is that somehow these people should be preserved as they were. I'm not saying that against whatever will they may have. Not that is not at all what I'm suggesting. All I'm telling you is there's another perspective on there it. There is. It's your conclusion it's a perspective that, that suggests good. that things should remain the same and that people Stone Age Wait tribes minute, should Wait a minute, that doesn't should... mean... Hold on. Just because they keep their old traditions doesn't mean that Who's things they? remain the same. No, 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 no. You can have whatever tradition you want. However, Great. if I as a missionary show up and say, hey, look, I got little things that go ping. Yeah. I've got some uh, I've got some penicillin. And, and the Bible. And I've got a book. Um, yeah. You know, and whatever it is, I'm offering these things to you. If if you don't want me to go and offer them to mm-hmm. me to them, then you're attempting to put your I will on said other don't people. Go and offer. I, Mark, I haven't said anything about you're, what you you're should talking and shouldn't about do. Other people. No, sig- sir, you are not understanding what I'm okay, saying. Okay, I must not. I be. have I have not said what anyone should do. The missionaries can go and do what they want to do. All I am saying is, you are calling it out as good. You are saying that you're making a value be. judgment. Now, I didn't interrupt you. You are making a value judgment on what these people, the missionaries, bring to the folks of these indigenous tribes, and uh, and a lot of people would agree with you. Though a lot of people would look at that and say, "Yeah, it's progress." But other people would look at it differently. And I'm just telling you that you're not okay. necessarily correct in that it's good. All it's right. only your opinion. So if that I it's go good. get a hamburger, I change money for a hamburger. Both of the situations are good for the individuals, correct? Yeah, sure, because otherwise they wouldn't involve themselves. Right. In it. But somebody might sit out there and say, oh, you shouldn't eat a hamburger. It's bad. Mm-hmm. What that person is, is either right or some busy little little uh, nasty little busybody in other people's business. That same person, that's that same attitude regarding a missionary going and offering free things to tribes in you know South America or something. Was I communicating effectively? I, I think you're understand? doing just fine. I, I will tell you that the best conversation ender I've ever found is, would you like to share a word about my personal Savior, Jesus Christ? <laughs> it is, certainly it is. is. That'll stop it, it right it, away. That's right. So if somebody showed up at my door with free food, 
and said, here's some free food. Would you like to have a word about my personal Savior, Jesus Christ? I would be like, keep your food. Thanks. Agreed. Get off my property. Same here. You know, so I, I and that's only because I've I've been through the rigmarole. I went uh-huh. to Catholic school. I, you know, I I understand what's going on, but to and to correct something you said earlier, Mark, there it, there are a few small indigenous tribes still in existence that have never had contact with the outside world. There are about two hundred fifty thousand indigenous natives as of two thousand six in the Amazon rainforest. That have never had contact? Never had contact. I think they're getting shot at all the time. Well. I mean, they're getting contact. Uh, they're, you know, their contact tends to be pretty bad. I, I, you know, I'm my, a friend of mine works with the Guarani very closely, and obviously they've had a level of contact if I know their name. But um, I, really, I'm, I'm stunned that there are people that have had no contact. I'm just curious, uh, Nemi. So we know what Mark's opinion is about uh, these missionaries coming in and bringing whatever it is they're bringing into these villages, for instance. What's your opinion? Do you think it's good? No. See, thank you for that. I'm just no. glad that we have a difference. You know, that's all I was pointing no. out is there is a difference of opinion as to whether or not these missionaries are coming into these places are doing good. It just there's, depends on your perspective. There's one thing. It's one thing to go in and say, here's some information, a peruse it at your, you know, but there's, there's a, it's something completely different to tie a carrot to it and say, here's a treat for you. If you come do a, you know, listen to what we have to say or practice our our rituals and traditions with us, that's not okay in my book. Like, just if your if your goal is to spread the word, then spread the word and and leave it at that. Just don't don't give out cookies what's as news? rewards. What's news? Not necessarily what's good. So my uh, concern here is is that uh, we sit on the outside and judge people whose lives are solitary, poor, uh, nasty, brutish, and short, and say, yeah, you should live that way because we don't want people who have bad values going in and talking to you. But I've got I have yet to find the atheist missionaries. There just aren't any out there. You're going to have to expand on that here in a moment. 855-453-SACL-CAI, toll-free line, free talk live. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. This is Free Talk Live. Toll-free number here is 855-453. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and all the features there we give away. Uh, By the way, still to come tonight, hand sanitizer? Apparently, the kids are drinking it. We'll give you details. Also, uh, 855-453 allows you to bring up anything you want. Here with you tonight in the studio, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. And uh, also inviting you to enjoy the website. And if you like freetalklive.com and the fact that it is free and that you can get so much there for nothing, then maybe you want to voluntarily support the show by going to shop.freetalklive.com and entering Amazon through the links you find at shop.freetalklive.com. Because you're going to do your online shopping anyway. You're probably going to do it at Amazon because they've got great prices and a huge selection. So why not shop through our links where a portion of the purchase price will be 
shuttled off toward Free Talk Live rather than going into Amazon's profits. So uh, head on over to shop.freetalklive.com. Get your shopping done through our affiliate links there. There's uh, Amazon UK, Amazon US, Amazon Canada for your convenience at shop.freetalklive.com. We've been talking about missionaries and whether or not they do good. Mark, it's your opinion they do uh, as far as like typically the missionary's job is to go into impoverished areas uh, and you know assist and also offer the word of God and bring the Bible in and uh, build well, there's a There's all different kinds of missionaries. There. Sure, sure. And there's of course missionaries that go into uh, indigenous tribal regions and do uh, similar work and build buildings and uh, you know do provide education and there's no doubt that these things have value and clearly they're able to convert people over to their their religion and from their perspective and mark according to you you think it's it's good uh but others don't necessarily agree in fact nemi disagrees uh she doesn't think it's necessarily good i don't think it's necessarily good either uh because you come at from a perspective that uh, there's value in the you know the, whatever spiritual traditions they have in that tribe and Christianity can you know really or whatever the mission is can uh, can really mess that up and that's not necessarily a good thing I think that that's you know from some perspectives could be bad I, but I wanted you to expound a little further Mark on something you said before we went to break that there are no atheist missionaries what was it you were getting at there I'm going to say there are no there are few atheist missionaries because you know there are six billion people on the planet the chances are um, about as high as the lottery of there being a uh, an atheist missionary um, so yeah like people that are Christians are motivated by these sort of external uh, forces they you know or the belief in external forces whereas you know atheists not so they tend to, to go about their own lives have you heard of atheist missionaries nope okay. I think we're all that. atheist missionaries when we come out of the womb religion is taught okay uh, I, I, I'm just as <laughs> let's, let's understand I'm just as damaged by my experience with the church as you are mm-hmm. perhaps more so however my contention here is thanks for calling me damaged oh Mark. you're damaged <laughs> um, yeah I mean it's obvious <laughs> so uh, you know my contention here is is that you know the atheists aren't doing anything humanitarian groups may or may not be trying to do something but they tend to be backed by this more scientific idea which says let's leave these people alone to go about their business however there are uh corporate interests out there that have large uh that have you know deep pockets and they're connected with the governments that these indigenous people live in these indigenous people are of no value to their governments. Their governments, therefore, will often side with the corporations in order to get the turnover of the land, especially in the Amazon region of these people. So what you have are people that are going to go in and they're going to introduce new ideas to these folks, even if those new ideas are in the form of a 12 gauge slug. All right. So what you know, with what the missionaries do is they'll stand either with council of bishops or whomever they'll stand um, in the the way of these corporations running over these people. These people are going to meet the West. And the question is, how do they meet it? Do they meet it with some people that want to offer them uh, their version of voodoo or and some food? Or do they meet people that want to take their land and kill them as uh, witnesses to the, the theft? Well, I mean, I don't accept either of those. Right. Uh, it's choices. fine to sit here and say, uh uh-uh, uh, uh uh. But let's talk about reality. 
I just don't agree with you that it's good, and uh, you're not going to convince me that it's necessarily good. Let's get you and your thoughts in. If you've got them, 855-450-FREE, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. I'm going to look around. I, I hope I can find it. I don't know if I remember enough detail. When I was in jail, uh, I was reading uh, – a friend of mine in, in there had an excerpt from one of his spiritual books that he had, and it was of an Indian – tribal chief from one of the Native American uh, tribes speaking to uh, the white man who had come over to do what they did and kind of really just let them have it about their uh, their religion and how they think they're so much better and really just, I mean, ex- absolutely excoriated them and really focused on how the, the, you know, the white man was, was killing people, but yet they preached love and like really just called them out on their own uh, hip- hypocrisy, the Pharisees that you, you call them, Mark. These Christians who you know say one thing about love and forgiveness, and then do a whole other thing, and actually go to war and kill people that are different from them. I mean, they, they've been called out for a long time, and it was really just an incredibly persuasive piece that would would cause someone to think twice who necessarily believes that uh, the Christians bringing their uh, their technology and such into these Indian tribes is on a whole a good thing. These aren't options, though. Like you don't have the <laughs> you don't have the option of saying let's leave these people alone. Sure you do. Yeah, I do. Okay. Actually, it's, it's fun to sit there and say that, but you can't do anything to make it happen. It is an impossibility. Those people are going to be met by the West. There are there are indigenous indigenous rights activists who are glad. who do work to protect them from what you're saying. I mean, I you're not saying anything that doesn't make sense to me. But we're, here we are in the year 2012, and these people have managed to go mostly uncontacted and isolated tribes for hundreds of thousands of years, I assume. So why, why must we start now? Well, why are we obligated? Because it's inevitable. If you're talking about a tribe, I don't know how much space they need. Let's say they're in the middle of the Amazon. They have yet to be uh, contacted, which I still I'm, I'm incredibly dubious that these people exist. But let's say they ex- <laughs> they're in the Amazon. They're right in the heart of it. Um, they have not been contacted. And how much space do these people need in order to be remain uncontacted? Your your um, indigenous right activists need to put up this shield that is what. Um, if it's ten, if it's a ten mile radius around the center point of their uh, their their little place, that's a what's a, uh, a diameter of twenty, and what's that sixty something miles uh, radially around as far as uh, don't ask me, man. Uh, the I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm no mathematician or anything like that. But how do you how do you cover an area that's this wide in order to keep people from going in? Because there are same there are farmers out there that. Or in people that that need to, you know, they're going to get things out of the rainforest. They're going to come in contact with these people. They want to get the uh, the potions and medicines that they can make out of the rainforest. You know, there's there's people coming in and attempting to contact these people at all times. And even if they're people from just a few miles down the road, they're going to introduce these ideas. And I just don't think we we have the luxury of saying, well. Yeah, it sure would be great if these people lived continue to live in the Stone Age until they want to come out of the the, the forest. Don't, I think it's great. I don't, just don't they think it's have reality. the right to self determination just the same as anybody else? Do you have the right as to whether or not somebody comes along to your little chunk of the woods? I don't know that you do. I mean, don't I have the right to travel? 
Well, right, but not over private property that uh, people don't define want you to private over. property. And obviously, the native uh, tribes we're talking about may not necessarily have the same cons- uh, concept of, uh, yep. of private property. But what you're saying is, is this is your observation of reality, and you may be accurate in your observation of reality. But do you really believe that's good? Look, man, that's I'm not a, good. I, I'm not. I'm not suicidal and wishing to destroy reality. I mean, you, I just don't. I don't see what? how you're gonna. Because look, if you're dealing with six, I'm just asking you whether people, it's good. I'm not asking you to destroy reality. It's good. <laughs> It, it, yes, it, it, the, the the lesser of evils is the good choice. The the, the lesser of evils in no, the if, situation. If it's evil, then it's not good. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just doesn't work that way. There's not there's all not right. like a gray Humans area. Humans are there. bad. I judge them all evil. Let's kill them all. Oh well, that's why we have hell, Mark. Now that's you've right. really gone off the rails. No, I'm only repeating what you've said. Huh? Wow. Is he just incoherent, I, or is it me? I'm having I'm having a hard time following. But I Thank do, goodness. I do I'm glad have, it's not just me. I do have some, some information for you. Um, the Sentinelese, this is a, a link posted is from it? chat. The Sentinelese okay. are one of uh, indigenous people of the Andaman Islands located in India in the Bay of Bengal. Uh-huh. They inhabit North Sentinel Island, which lies westward off the southern tip. Uh, they are noted for vig- vigorously resisting attempts at contacts by outsiders. Sentinelese maintain an essentially hunter-gatherer society subsisting through hunting, fishing, and collecting wild plants. No evidence of either agricultural practices or methods of producing fire. Don't people go along and throw food to them on tours? That's what I've heard. Is that just a bad joke? I mean, what? No, if, I'm telling you what they do. You hadn't do. even heard of them before she mentioned no, them. No, no. I, I, now that she mentions them, I know where we're talking about. The All Bay right, of Bengal. We're going up here. 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Free Talk Live. Here on Free Talk Live, we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin. It's a decentralized, free market digital currency. You can learn more about it at weusecoins.com. But if you already have some Bitcoins and you'd like to spend them, you can spend them at spendbitcoins.com. When you spend Bitcoins on Amazon via spendbitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy Bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at au.spendbitcoins.com. Once again, that's spendbitcoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. Toll-free number here, 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. Uh, once again, freetalklive.com, where you can go, you can create the content of the site. You find something online you think is interesting, submit it there. Other listeners vote. The most voted up make it to the front page and the top of the site. So go and get interactive at freetalklive.com. For those of you just tuning in, we've been talking about missionaries. Uh, originally, we are discussing uh, Scientology and ended up morphing into a conversation about missionaries and whether or not what they do, uh, for instance, to uh, indigenous tribes or in the areas in which uh, indigenous tribes live, uh, as you know, making a value judgment about it. Mark, you'd uh, made the judgment that it's good that you know they're providing them with medical services, education, uh, etc., housing, and that and they're also bringing Christianity in there. And you say you're no fan of Christianity, and I know that's certainly true, having certainly had many discussions about it and your frustrations with going to church and all that over the years. I'm also a critic of uh, of organized religion. And uh, I don't necessarily agree that it's good. And Nemi is on my side on this one. She doesn't agree necessarily that it's good. In fact, would you say it's bad? I would say it's bad. Yeah. What's Uh, bad, though? 
Well, if you're coming into an indigenous tribe that hasn't necessarily uh, been exposed to Western diseases, you can wipe out the entire tribe. Sure could. There's that. And then there's the spiritual aspect of it as well. And I've actually, I think I've pulled up what I was looking for, which is the speech of uh, at least one uh, Indian, uh, somebody named Red Jacket, and what he had to say about the Christian white men coming into his tribe's areas and Sounds doing, pretty collectivist. doing their thing. Sorry? Sounds pretty collectivist. Well, I'm sure we are talking about individuals here, Mark, but uh, you know, to some extent, groups do exist. People can be, should be free to leave and join them as they please. But let's go to you and your thoughts first before we hear what Red Jacket has to say. And let's go to Muhammad calling from Atlanta. You're listening to Free Talk Live. Muhammad. Yes, how you doing? Great. What's on your mind tonight? Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. Sure. When I hear... Um, a conversation like this as a scholar in religion and also in different belief systems. Yes, you're right, because Christianity is the younger of all the faiths on the planet Earth. Christianity came through as a control method in 325 A.D. during the Nisa Council during the time of Constantine of the 13 or 12 bishops and do away with the real facts and reality of the ministry and teaching of Isa or Jesus or Yahshua the Messiah. And it came with the other stuff, but the Pope himself kept a private um, book in his library, known as the Gospel of St. Barnabas, that came um, found in 748 A.D. when they dug up the grave of Barnabas and passed down to a good friend in the USA in 1907, and mysteriously disappeared from the British Museum. You see? And it shows... I'm a little lost. I have, to, I have to say I'm a little lost. But I do generally agree with you that uh, religion is based in uh, the idea of... A lot of organized religion is based in the idea of controlling uh, one's fellow man. That much I'll agree with you on. Right, right. And not only in Christianity, it's in Buddhism, it's in Confucianism, I don't know. And even Islam. Buddhism is tr- tr- traditionally uh, not supposed to be a religion. There has been a right. religion it's created a around life. it. Right. And, and uh, that's contrary. into something different than what Buddha taught. That's true. It's contrary to, uh, to Buddha's Buddha teachings. Taught the one that's enlightenment of God. Okay? Islam is submission to the total will of God. But the Christianity now in the world that comes from the Middle East or Europe. Not the Christianity or the Shrine of Black Madonna out of the center of power of Africa, Ethiopian, or called in Swahili, Azimia. Okay? That's the 2,000-year Christianity. One thing's for sure, Muhammad. You uh, certainly know a lot more uh, on this uh, you know, esoteric matter than I do. I'm curious how you feel about the idea that we've been discussing uh, as to whether or not these missions, these Christian missions, going into these indigenous tribal regions, uh, is that a good thing? It's a bad thing because they had to go among the additional native people or the darker people of the earth to get control. Even Shaka Zulu, when they tried to use that image from Shaka Zulu, Shaka Zulu, they couldn't trick Shaka Zulu. They couldn't fool Shaka Zulu. He said, if that's your God, his God, your God is dead. You see? And that's why the Queen of England said, well, we can't make no treaty with a legend. Mohammed, I want to thank you for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you and your thoughts at 855-450-FREE. Adam is listening in Athens, Ohio to WAIS. Hello, Adam. Hey, how y'all doing? Great. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I've just been listening to your conversation. Thought I'd contribute a little bit. I've known uh, 
several folks that have taken part in missionary things. A couple people I've known, cousins and stuff. I'm not particularly into, you know, a church or anything myself, but just based on everything I've heard from them, it seems like, you know, these are like organized ahead of time and they're, they're kind of like exchange students in a way, going to kind of like a sister church somewhere, you know what I mean? Like, uh, as opposed to just going around in the bush looking for people who've never heard of the Bible to spread that word. I think the the days where that well, there are different types of there are different long. types of uh, missions out there, and I think they all are going on currently. Yeah, well, you know what I'm saying is like you take uh, young uh, college people or high school people from here who sign up to do a mission thing, like my cousins who did that or whatever. They went to Kenya. And they were paired up with, you know, other girls their age that were in, you know, their church there in Kenya. You know what I'm saying? So So what was the job of the mission then in that case? Well, they would basically, they ran a school, they had a clinic, you know, and then they translated books and stuff into English. And And the purpose, though, is to bring people to Christianity. I mean, that's the ultimate goal of the mission is to bring people to... I mean, presuming that I, there's probably other missions out there besides Christian missions, but uh, to, to bring people to the religion in question, right? Well, yeah. I mean, again, it's right. not like I've gone personally. You know, I'm just saying, like, they do that, not so much proselytizing uh, directly, but Well, indirectly. since you've never been, no, how would you know? You know? Well, I mean, if they're going to, to another place where there is a church and they're being paired up with somebody it doesn't sound like they're proselytizing it sounds like they're supporting these people how would you a lot of these places were originally proselytized so long ago that christianity is like you know really deeply entrenched in a lot of the places in africa and and i'm just saying that i've never heard of I know it happens, I'm sure, but from the people I've known, it sounds like they're going to, like, established places. I get what you're saying. They're going in to back up the people that have been there for probably decades uh, running missions, and they've had success at uh, at making converts. That doesn't mean that their goal is to not still convert people. I mean, that's always the Christian's goal is to evangelize. Keep the tradition going. Right, is to evangelize Christianity and get people to convert and to accept Jesus and uh, as their personal savior or whatever it is that uh, the christians will agree to do and uh, and so you know again if that's what they want to do that's certainly okay as long as they're not using force to do it that's their business i just don't think it's necessarily a good thing uh from... i think it's the best option that we have well, well uh, that's where like i think both of you all are right it kind of just depends on like you said ian the perspective you're looking at it in like for yeah. me you know, I'm I'm inclined to say that you know if people are living out in the bush, then you ought to leave them alone. Absolutely. You know? but the same same time, here. I'm inclined to say that. I just don't. Th- I'm just not uh, you know Pollyanna-ish and uh, enough to believe that that's the case. But don't call something that's that's not good good. Thank I you. I think the for best the call, option that we it. have is the good uh, option. Thanks for the call. Eight five five four fifty free. I don't accept. 
uh, the you know the the choices of what you're saying. Reality just dishes up reality, dishing up one crap sandwich versus another one, and call one of them good. Uh, in the same way, I'm not going to call whether Barack Obama wins or John McCain the two choices of evil. I'm not going to call one of them good. You don't have. We're not talking about two choices here. We're talking about sort of human nature. Well, you gave me two choices earlier when you said it's either this way, like corporations go in or the missionaries go in, and you said choose one. And and you know, and I'm not going to. There's all all sorts of different ways these people can be contacted, but they're going to be contacted. Just leave them alone. Eight five five. I'm not bothering them. Sakel CAI toll free line. No, but you're saying it's good that people are, and it's not. It's good that they're offering them food and medicine. They're fine. They've been fine for hundreds yeah, let of them thousands die. of years. They're Diseases not dying. They're fine. Eight five five four fifty three. They want to produce their life how they live it. It's Free Talk Live. The Seasteading Institute. They want to create freedom on the open seas. Did you know they're having a conference? You could meet fellow forward thinkers and discover where you fit into the up-and-coming for-profit seasteading sector. It's May 31st to June 2nd at La Meridian Hotel in San Francisco. Discounted registration prior to May the 1st. Special rates for students and the press. Get 10% off with promo code FTL. Get registered before May the 1st at seasteading.freetalklive.com. Seasteading.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Toll free number 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll free line. And uh, you can also join us online over at freetalklive.com. We have a lot of features that await you there. News updates. You can get signed up for our emailed updates or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Go to news.freetalklive.com to get signed up for free. That's news.freetalklive.com. You can get precious metals, whether it's gold or silver, over at gold.freetalklive.com. If you're looking to get into these things, it's important to get some of the best rates. And you should get some of the best rates at gold.freetalklive.com because we've teamed up with Midas Resources and they offer some of the best rates that you're going to get from a major precious metals purveyor. It's gold.freetalklive.com. And when you buy from gold.freetalklive.com, you help Free Talk Live. It's gold.freetalklive.com. We continue. Uh, coming up, we'll share with you what uh, Red Jacket, a Native American, had to say to some of the missionaries that were coming to spread the ideas of Christianity to his people and see how, what his perspective on them is, whether or not they're good because Mark's saying they're good. And uh, even though while you admit, Mark, that they are the lesser of two evils, you were saying that uh, you know either the corporations and the evil governments are going to come in and meet these people with the, the Western world or the missionaries are going to. And so you said, so it's therefore good because it's the lesser of two evils. And that seems like poppycock to me. My concern is is that these people are going to meet the other folks that want to steal their land and have no protections because they have no representation. Whereas it's my uh, it's my experience that uh, you know major religions do attempt to make some efforts to protect indigenous people. Let's go to Julieka listening in Cincinnati. Julieka, you're on Free Talk Live. I am. You are. What's on your mind tonight? Um. Hello. I lost my whole train of thought. <laughs> oh no! I'll tell you what. I'll put you back on hold. You can hang on for just a moment. We'll come right back to you. Let's go and uh, talk to Marlon, listening in Athens, Georgia. Marlon, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, Martin. Oh, Martin. Uh, apologies. I, go I, ahead, sir. No, no problem. No problem. I, I think I get the sense that we're talking about religion, and we're getting we're probing people's attitudes toward religion here instead of attitudes toward exchange, 
which I think is Mark's point. So a voluntary exchange involves an offer and an uh, voluntary acceptance, right? And you, if you rule out the offer, you rule out you rule out the possibility of a voluntary acceptance. So just so the offer that the missionary makes is, you know, I'll give you some stuff and you listen to my story. That's the offer. Mm-hmm. As long as the acceptance is voluntary, that's a free exchange. Both sides think they're getting something out of it. I except totally for, agree. Except for the that syphilis. Has to do with whether the religion is good or not. That's just beside the point. Tot- I totally agree with the you. I mean, the, the Salvation Army does the same thing. You know, hey, come right. on in. We'll uh, take you, give you some food. You can sleep somewhere. And here's a lesson about Jesus. Uh, so, I, I mean, it or, is. Or you're if right. They were, if, if they were pushing the Satanic Bible, it wouldn't make. If they were pushing Das Kapital, it wouldn't make any difference because I can listen to a Marxist story and say, "You're, you're. I, I'm glad you gave me the stuff, but I don't like your story." And go away, okay. And as long as you're not, as long as you'll go away when I say that, it's still good, even though Das Kapital is full of shit. Full oh, we can't let you there. say that on the air. Thanks for <laughs> oh, the sorry, uh, the call. Sorry. Appreciate it though. Eight five five four fifty free. That is the Cycle C A I toll free line. Full of. Puppycock. Yeah, sorry, we are doing a uh, national radio program, and unfortunately we do have to uh, have the responsibility of protecting the station's precious FCC licenses. So we didn't. So have to his drop contention them. is that voluntary exchange is good as long as it's voluntary. Well, that's uh, certainly a valid perspective. It is Thanks. certainly a valid perspective. I just don't agree that this particular form of voluntary exchange is good. And Some there are people, many types of voluntary exchanges out there that are not necessarily good from another perspective. So, for Like instance, selling a fat guy a cheeseburger? Or perhaps selling a meth head some meth. I mean, there are certain things out there that are just not good. And But the meth head thinks it's good, and the dealer certainly thinks it's good. So, And who am I to judge? Right? I'm just some, Apparently I'm just some jackball on, the, on talk radio. Uh, so, I mean, I, my opinion is as valid as the meth head's opinion. Or I'm willing this, to go out there with you, Ian. I'll go ahead and say that the voluntary exchange of meth for, uh, from a meth dealer, to, so, so I'm with you. Well, thank it's, you for that. I it's appreciate it. It's bad. It's but, bad. Right. It's bad. And it's okay to, to have a value judgment. And that's all we've really been talking about is that we disagree on our value judgments here. Yep. That's all this has been about. Let's uh, continue. However, in this circumstance, I'm suggesting that you don't have a choice as to what kind of meth the meth head buys. So you get the choice of the untainted meth that won't kill him. Or the I don't get meth. to choose anything, and, and you don't get oh, to yes, either. No, only the individuals in these questions get to choose. Only the individuals being approached by the missionaries get to choose. And some of them choose to be Christian, and, and for them, maybe they see that as a good thing. All I was saying is there is another perspective. I don't, and, and that's you started by saying it was good, and I disagree, and Nemi disagrees. So, if, I so nod, red jacket. if I nod and smile and say, okay, I will listen to your story if you give me food i like your food so keep telling me your story doesn't doesn't really convert anybody to to the story fine by me is if if the suggestion is is that i'll trade you food medicine or you know what building supplies for uh, my little story about my god um that as long as it remains that kind of exchange then i don't have a problem with it. or if you get on board with my story i'm going to give you more food medicine or uh, building materials or those kind of things these are the kind of voluntary exchanges that people should be able to participate in and sadly the atheists aren't out there making those kind of exchanges well 
They are actually. I I consider it charity, and I don't need to to actually go and tell anybody a story to give them food or shelter. But or... Not, you're not doing it to the indigenous. I don't know of any atheist and uh, organizations that are helping. I think indigenous, Mark's probably right about that. Indigenous uh, people. Now there are state organizations that tend to be sectarian, but then again, there tend to be. Uh, they they probably kill more uh, indigenous people than they save. I don't know that but, that's necessarily true. But uh, the, again, the disagreement is whether or not they're actually helping. Uh, and it all depends on your perspective as to whether or not the so-called help they're offering is actually of value. So we were talking and, about this meth situation. I think this is this is interesting. So if somebody goes out and says, look, our, my only option is to sell good meth because somebody out there is going to be selling uh, rat poison as meth or whatever it is. I, I'm not fam- really familiar with meth, as, uh, so please yeah. forgive my ignorance. Uh, but rat poison as meth. So my only option is to, to sell the pure meth so that people don't get hurt. That's never your only option. Please stop the, with this uh, Then the people choice. are going to get the, rat, the rat poison. It's nonsense. Uh, so let's go to what Red Jacket has to say. So that way it's not just us uh, white men in here and white lady uh, pontificating. I am not white. About uh, you sure look, uh, you certainly don't look like a red man Thanks. to me. Thanks for your value yeah. judgment. I am more red than you are. Oh, is that right? I haven't had my uh, my little DNA test like you have. I'm so. the whitest person in the room. <laughs> uh, so Red Jacket, uh, he is a Seneca chief, or was, and great orator of the Six Nations. This according to autodidactproject.org, but it looks similar to what I uh, read in a book. Uh, while I was in jail, which is a book, kind of a spiritual uh, book. Anyway, he was born near uh, Geneva, New York in 1750. In 1805, a young missionary named Cram, appropriately named, was sent into the country of the Iroquois by the Evangelical Missionary Society of Massachusetts to spread the word. Hey, thanks! Welcome! A council was held at <laughs> Buffalo, New York, and Red Jacket made the following uh, made the following reply, telling Cram why he did not wish to have the missionary stay with them. According to N.B. Wood and Lives of Famous Indian Chiefs, recounts that after making his statement, Red Jacket moved to shake hands with the missionary. Red Jacket moved to shake hands with the missionary. I gotcha. Cram refused, saying, quote, there was no fellowship between the religion of God and the devil, unquote. According to Wood, the Indians smiled and retired peacefully. But I will give you what Red Jacket had to say before he went to offer his hand to shake uh, with Mr. Cram, the missionary, 855-453, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated radio program on more than 100 radio stations coast to coast. We've been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation thrice. And five times the best political podcast from podcastawards.com. You can have access to our more than 100 radio stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for less than $1,000 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Toll-free number 855-453-SACL-CAI. Toll-free line one 450 3733 You can join us online at freetalklive.com, where you can find the Shrine of Female listeners at shrine.freetalklive.com. The dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send in their validated photo or video showing their listeners of the program. Shrine.freetalklive.com takes you there, and if you're a lady listener... You can get details on how to become part of the Shrine at shrine.freetalklive.com. The Seasteading Institute, you know them. They want to create freedom on the open seas. Well, did you know they're having a conference? You can meet fellow entrepreneurs, investors, engineers, ocean law experts, maritime professionals, and other forward 
thinking individuals and discover where you fit into the up-and-coming for-profit seasteading uh, sector. You can experience some of San Francisco's finest accommodations and amenities and get a taste of life on the sea as they uh, close out the conference with a sunset dinner cruise around the bay. Join the vanguards of the movement um, in, at the uh, Sea Steadings uh, conference here at La, La Meridian Hotel in San Francisco. You get discounted registration prior to May the 1st. Special rates for students and the press. 10% off with promo code FTL. Get registered before May the 1st at seasteading.freetalklive.com. It's seasteading.freetalklive.com. Go check them out. It's, uh, it's going it, to... Proposes to be a really great conference. We've been discussing missionary work and some kind of unusual. I, I, th- I don't know how typical this discussion is when you talk about missionaries. I don't know if we ever really talked in detail about uh, missionary work before in the past, and specifically the idea of uh, missionaries going into indig- indigenous tribes and introducing them to Christianity, while at the same time uh, applying them with all manner of uh, free stuff like education and uh, and medical care, uh, and also the ideas of Jesus being. A personal savior and trying to convert people on over. Uh, it was discussed that uh, this has been going on for a long time. In many cases, been very, very successful. People have converted. And Mark, you're looking at it from this uh, this perspective where you're looking at uh, your interpretation of reality, uh, being that well, these folks in the woods are going to get Western the Western culture, whether they like it or not. The question is, which way do you which way do you want it? And you want it to be uh, farmers and poachers and uh, excuse me, ranchers, poachers, and people that would uh, you know kill them off for their land, or the or barrel you, of a government's gun, for instance. The, the, those those are the cases too. Or the missionaries cases. bringing them food and whatever, and maybe some communicable diseases. And at the same time, you suggested that that's good, and that's really what the ultimate discussion here has been about, as to whether or not it is. Uh, Nemi and I take the position it is not uh, good, and uh, you know well, you take the position that it is. When one takes it, the moral position that um, you know that that men in comas can do no nothing immoral, then one is left to doing nothing because. Uh, these people are going we are living in the real world these people are going to get contact therefore the best solution is the good solution no it you're you're presupposing that uh, it has to work the way you're saying it does nemi has already given you an example of at least one tribe that keeps people out you yep. know they're not interested in having anyone come well and, if somebody uh, really wants them. that little clod of dirt sitting in the uh, the bay of bengal that they have then somebody's going to take it from them and but that doesn't mean that it's good just because it's one of the two options or one of the handful of options i don't think any available. missionary should go anywhere that the whole tribe doesn't want them where they're well they rain down arrows mm-hmm. on these people right Ultimately, we're discussing the value here of uh, of missionary work, and I'd like to bring Red Jacket's perspective in here. He uh, was a chief of the Seneca six, excuse, excuse me, Seneca chief, great orator of the Six Nations uh, back in 1805. A young missionary named Cram attempted to bring their Evangelical Missionary Society of Massachusetts. Do a little word. cramming. Yeah, exactly. So here's what he said before he offered Cram his hand to shake, and Cram refused, calling him essentially uh, you know, the devil. Brothers. Our seats were once large and yours were small. You have now become a great people, and we have scarcely a place left to spread our blankets. You have got our country, but are not satisfied. You want to force your religion upon us. Brother, continue to listen. You say that you are sent to instruct us how to worship the great spirit agreeable to his mind. And if we do not take hold of the religion which you white people teach, we shall be unhappy hereafter. You say that you are right, and we are lost. How do we know this... How do we know this to be true? We understand that your religion is written in a book. 
If it was intended for us, as well as you, why has not the great spirit given to us, and not only to us, but our forefathers, the knowledge of that book, with the means of understanding it rightly? We only know what you tell us about it. How shall we know when to believe being so often deceived by the white people? Oh, yeah. Brother, you say there is but one way to worship and serve the great spirit. If there is but one religion, why do you white people differ about so mu- differ so much about it? Why not all agree, as you can all read the book? <laughs> Brother, we do not understand these things. We are told that your religion was given to your forefathers and has been handed down from father to son. We also have a religion which was given to our forefathers and has been handed down to us, their children. We worship in that way. It teaches us to be thankful for all favors we receive, to love each other and be united. We never quarrel about religion because it is a matter which concerns each man and the great spirit. Brother, we do not wish to destroy your religion or take it from you. We only want to enjoy our own. Brother, we have been told that you've been preaching to the white people in this place. These people are our neighbors. We are acquainted with them. We will wait a little while and see what effect your preaching has upon them. If we find it does them good, makes them honest and less disposed to cheat Indians, we will consider again what you have said. Now, editorial note by uh, the T.C. McLuhan, Red Jacket's hostility toward Christianity erupted on every occasion. Referring to the unwise missionary Cram, he once said, quote, The white people were not content with the wrongs they had done to his people, but wanted to cram their doctrines down their throats. When asked by a gentleman in 1824 why he was so opposed to missionaries, he replied the following, quote, They do us no good. If they are not useful, they do us no good, Mark. Uh, if they are not useful to the white people and do them no good, why do they send them among the Indians? If they are useful to the white people and do them good, why do they not keep them at home? They, the white men, are surely bad enough to need the labor of everyone who can make them better. These men, the missionaries, know that we do not understand their religion. We cannot read their book. They tell us different stories about what it contains, and we believe they make the book talk to suit themselves. This guy had it down. Oh, I, I agree with all of these we critiques no of Christianity. Money, if we had no money, no land, and no country to be cheated out of, these black coats would not trouble themselves about our good hereafter. The great spirit. Will Do you not- think that's true about missionaries today? That they're out there to treat to to doesn't treat- matter. No, no. no I want to go on matter. and finish with what Red Jacket says here. The great spirit will not punish us for what we do not know. He will do justice to his red children. These black coats. Talk to the great spirit and ask for light that we may see as they do when they are blind themselves and quarrel about the light that guides them. These things we do not understand, and the light which they give us makes the straight and plain path trod by our fathers dark and dreary. The black coats tell us to work and raise corn. They do nothing themselves and would starve to death if someone did not feed them. All they do is pray to the great spirit, but that will not make corn and potatoes grow, if it will. Why do they beg from us and from the white people? The red men knew nothing of trouble until it came from the white man or to, from the white men. As soon as they crossed the great waters, they wanted our country, and in return, we have always been ready to teach. Excuse me. In return, have always been ready to teach us to quarrel about their religion. Red Jacket can never be the friend of such men. If they, the Indians, were raised among white people and learned to work and read as they do, it would only make their situation worse. We are few and weak, but may for a long time be happy if we hold fast to our country and the religion of our fathers. 
So I just wanted to share that with you, Mark. As I love it. One person's perspective on why missionary work is not. Do you good. understand how historical this is? This was written in the early 19th century. I mean, it's an entirely. The point is still the same. These men came to push their religion on people to cram it, and uh, and the, you know the same factor is happening today. It's just different. That's all. It's you know they they more schools and the medical care is better and and all of that, but to, nothing has changed fundamentally. To answer your question, Mark, you asked you. Know, if if he thinks this is about a land grab, I think is where you were going with mm-hmm. it. And I, I think if it isn't about a land grab, it's certainly about control. Well, I think that... Uh... Look, I think that the churches today, the most people in churches today, A, yes, Christ- Christianity and all religions have been used as a form of control, but at the same time, the people that preach them believe that stuff. I mean, yes, as a result, if you believe the story that they tell and they're experts in telling the story, then you give them a certain level of control over your life. That's true. But these people believe you're going to burn an inter- eternal torment. Anyway, I agree with Red Jacket. Your thoughts are welcome. 855 I, d- I don't disagree with that. We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. And you can enjoy the features that await you there. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. Lots of stuff. And if you enjoy the program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become a Free Talk Live amplifier. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. Get signed up with any major credit card through PayPal or use Visa or MasterCard right on our website. And it is only the price of $3 per month. Now, remember, you get everything on the website for free. So this is above and beyond all that. This is if you really enjoy Free Talk Live and you want to see us get on more radio stations. We've got over 100 at this point, but there's hundreds more that, in theory, we could have. Uh, so you can help make that happen and also get perks like access to the Amp Only call-in lines, Amp Only forum, and podcast. The podcast doesn't have the uh, same commercials. Uh, it doesn't have uh, any of the recorded commercials that the regular podcast does. So you get some distinct perks as a Free Talk Live amplifier. And your $3 a month price of a cup of coffee goes a long way for us because the uh, the more $3 we can get in from uh, different people, the more we can market this program. That's why Advertise, uh, AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. Go to amp.freetalklive.com, and thanks in advance for doing that. And thanks to everybody who has AMPed or is currently AMPing. Uh, certainly appreciate everything that you do. Amp.freetalklive.com. We've been talking about missionary work and uh, and making value judgments about it. And somebody called in to suggest, and Mark, you seem to to take this position, that, uh, you know what, it's a voluntary exchange. And so therefore, in the scheme of things, if it's a voluntary exchange, it's a win-win for the people that are that are involved in it. And usually that's, that's I think that's usually a true case, right? Like most all the time, that's true from the perspective of the people involving in that exchange, in that if they're doing it voluntarily, there's no coercion. It's therefore something that each individual in that exchange believes is benefiting them. So the traditional example of somebody selling a product, the person selling a hamburger is uh, voluntarily exchanging it for the three dollars, and in return, you know, they're they're getting the three dollars. The the three dollars is more valuable to them than having the hamburger in an inventory. And the hungry person, the hamburger is more valuable than the three dollars in their pocket. To the animal rights activist, it's murder. 
Well, right. And so there's uh, there's certain value judgments that everybody gets to make. Ultimately, I would not interfere. Ultimately, you know, if the missionary wants to go and set up a you know shop, set up their church and build whatever and do their outreach, then that's their business as long as, you know, they're not doing it with coercion. And similarly, I would never stop anybody from going and, and taking their food or going to their church service or converting to Christianity. Again, it's none of my business. Because as somebody who understands the ideas of liberty, I understand that in order to be free, I must allow others to be free. So I may disagree with smoking meth, and I do. I think it's a terrible idea, and it's a very dangerous drug. But that doesn't mean I'm going to force my viewpoint on the meth smoker. I may tell them that I'm concerned for their health. I may tell them. You know, or they may tell the indigenous tribe tribe person, like, hey, I don't think what these Christians are doing is right. I may express my opinion, but ultimately I'm not going to enforce my opinion. So I, I think the optimum scenario is that uh, people that are concerned about indigenous tribes, uh, you know, un- uncontacted tribes, which appear to be, for all intents and purposes, uh, largely, largely uncontacted tribes here without significant contact of, uh, um, of globalized civilization – that they be given, you know, that some organization be put together to protect them if they want that protection, because they're going to come in contact with uh, the outside world. And I don't know how, like, you know, you drop off a cell phone in the language that you don't know what they speak. I mean, these, this is very difficult. If you go through this uh, list of uncontacted tribes in Wikipedia, you'll find that it's uh, here's the uh, let's see. Uh, let me give the whole title here. This one is um, Terrace Indigenous Tanarau um, is only one individual. The Tanarau isolated Indian remaining members of the tribe were massacred or wiped out by disease. I mean, this is one guy who speaks. I don't know. Whatever he speaks. How do you talk to th- this fellow, this Tanarau fellow? I, I would bet if everyone he knows was massacred or died of disease, he probably does not have anything to say to you. <laughs> He's probably not interested in chatting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, so, but, but the point I'm making here is that, again, in order to be free, you must allow others to be free. And that means allowing them to make disturbing choices, allowing them to make choices you would never envision yourself making, whether we're talking about converting to an organized religion or using a hard drug or whatever. Whatever it is we're, dis- we're discussing, maybe some sort of sexual uh, so-called deviancy, allowing people to make those choices. But that doesn't mean it's wrong to make a value judgment on them for yourself because part of uh, the world in which we live is that there is a huge amount of contrast out there. There's all kinds of interesting and outrageous and fun and sad things going on in the world, and we all get the benefit, th- thankfully, especially now with the information uh, superhighway, so-called, the, the, the fact that we can get information so quickly, we can make all all kind of judgments about the uh, the, the contrast that we're exposed to because now we can see more of it uh, than we ever could in the past we can see more of what's happening around the world and make decisions about how we want to adjust our life or maybe not at all maybe we just want to completely ignore it or maybe we look at something and say wow that makes a lot of sense i like that idea i'm going to accept that into my life or i don't like that at all i think i'm going to actively campaign against it i mean there's so much to uh, to choose from out there there's nothing wrong with saying Hey, that's good or that's bad, and really, ultimately, that's all we've uh, we've done tonight is discussed our own value judgments on the idea of missionaries going and spreading their uh, their religion. I think they should be free to do it. I would never force them to stop, but that doesn't mean I won't speak out against it and take uh, Red Jacket's side here, where you know he points out. As he says, they do us no good. He is not interested in what these folks are doing. And I wonder if you – know, did, 
did he originate the term cram? I haven't looked down into the entomology of, uh, of the word cram, but I wonder if uh, prior to Red Jacket had the word cram been someone's name and then for the first time he used it in that manner. I don't know. I'm just completely speculating on that. Certainly is interesting. 855-450-FREE. That's your SACL CAI toll free line. We will go to Doug listening to WXNT in Indianapolis. Doug, you're on Free Talk Live. Doug, in Indy. Yeah, how are you doing? You're on the air. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, no, just uh, with the Indians and what? They want to call them red men and everything else? Um, I'm not sure what you're referring to. Say again? Hello? The Native Americans? What is it that you wanted Native? to say about them? I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not clear on where you're going. No, it's their, their land. I mean, sure, when they came across. I'm just Can you talk right into your phone? It's really hard to understand you. I apologize. I'm sorry about that. I'll call back later then. Oh, no, no, I could hear you there. Just It didn't sound like you were talking right into your phone. Well, I just want to make it sure. No, I agree with the... the I don't how red man comes in part. That's like saying a black man or a white man. You're not sure how red man can what? I'm sorry. I missed again what you said. One more try. I think Understand it, how... I think he's he's um, asking about the, the name Red Jacket. No, no one has used the term here, Red Man. Yeah, Red Jacket is... Uh, well, I did use a term just in kind of offhand earlier, but uh, Red Jacket is the name of the Indian in question here that was speaking out against the missionaries, and that's that's his name. I mean, it's in Indian, it's uh, Sagoyewata, which translates to Red Jacket. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, I am. Okay. But I understand. The Indians were here first, and, and maybe they don't want to be called that, so even I would agree with you. If somebody doesn't want to be called anything else. Yeah, I agree with uh, you that uh, using uh, terms that are kind of uh, colloquial and uh, f- potentially offensive slang is not appropriate. And uh, thank you for that, Doug, if that's uh, the point you're making, though the cell phone connection was a little iffy there. It's really difficult to understand what he was trying to say. 855-450-FREE. Uh, again, the SACL CAI toll free line. You can bring up what you want. Now, still to come here tonight... Uh, you know, we're not necessarily. I think we've pretty much hammered out this yeah. missionary issue at this point, though certainly the phones are still open for your comments. Uh, but coming up, a disturbing story that all three of us brought in tonight, completely independent of uh, one another. And I don't know, maybe we have different versions of it. The one I have is fourteen things you need to know about drinking hand sanitizer. Is are these the are these tips? It's, uh, <laughs> it's it's some interesting. I only need to know one thing about drinking hand sanitizer. Don't it's a bad it. idea. Yeah, yeah th- these aren't necessarily tips. They're uh, just kind of a heads up uh, to what's going on out there. But did you guys have actual news pieces? Yeah, I've about got a news yeah. story from the uh, Daily Mail. Yeah, I okay. picked it up off of uh, NPR. Okay, great. Because I want to get into this and talk about how teenagers are allegedly drinking hand sanitizer. There's video on YouTube of this happening. I've got the Daily News. Excuse me, another article from the Daily Mail. And the idea, of course, is that there's alcohol in that there hand sanitizer. It's a propyl. Well, it's alcohol, and uh, so they are drinking it, and they're using it to get drunk. And they're, I guess in some cases they're combining it with Listerine. Now, we've talked about how uh, bums will go into uh, Walgreens or wherever in the Rite Aid and uh, buy some Listerine. So if it's Sunday in some places, you can't sell alcohol in some areas of this country, right. but you can still buy Listerine. So they go in and they get hornswoggled on uh, on Listerine uh, and then, of course, get sick. Cause, didn't K- Kitty Dukakis used to do that? 
I don't know, but there's drink rubbing alcohol. There's I'm other, not sure. There's other nasty stuff in Listerine that they put in there to try to prevent you from drinking it for alcoholic purposes. That doesn't work on everybody, and it certainly doesn't work on teenagers who can't just go and buy their own alcohol. Eight five five four fifty three. More coming up. You can take control. Hour three is next. Free talk live. I am so excited about Pork Fest this year. Pork Fest. What's that? It's the Porcupine Freedom Festival, a fun and educational camping event put on every summer by the Free State Project. This year, it's going to be happening June 18th to the 24th at Rogers Campground in Lancaster, New Hampshire. Okay, I like camping and I definitely like freedom, but my budget is tight. Tickets are only $30 for the whole week if you get them before May 1st. Well, that sounds reasonable, but what goes on there? <laughs> what doesn't go on at Porkfest? There are speakers, family fun, dance parties, karaoke, a comedy roast, hiking, campfires, sports, a wedding, and all kinds of delicious food. But the part that I like best is spending time with other people who love freedom. Mm, that's sounding pretty good to me. Where can I go to learn more? Check out Porkfest.com and make sure you spell pork like a porcupine. P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Like what you see? Looks like a blast. Okay, I'm in. See you at Porkfest. While you're there, check out how you can become a VIP, very important porcupine, for a modest donation. See you at Porkfest. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. You can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free, 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where you can create the content on the site. You find something online you think is interesting, you want to share with our listeners, just submit it as show prep, and then others can vote. And you get to vote as well. And the most voted up, make it to the front page and the top of the site. So there's always something fresh up there every day. Uh, Go to, and it's all thanks to you if you didn't, if you didn't submit things to the site, it would be awful. So uh, please go to freetalklive.com. Feel free to get interactive there. Joining you here in the studio, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. We're going to tell you about the teen's newest craze. Well, I don't really know how much of a craze it is. Uh, but it's it's allegedly more popular in some areas than others. And we're talking about drinking hand sanitizer. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. That stuff you pump out of the bottle and wipe it and then it's supposed to kill 99.99999% of germs or whatever. That's what they're actually drinking to get drunk. The gel. Yeah. So it's 160 proof. 120 proof. Excuse me. It's 60% alcohol. I don't know that you refer to something that's isopropyl alcohol instead of uh, what, what do they call ethyl alcohol. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, not a chemist here as a proof. But, yeah, it would be the equivalent, right? Well, NPR is calling it proof, and okay. NPR must be the authority on these things. I don't know. You might be right. Let's get to the news in a moment. But first, uh, Adam wants to jump in on the conversation uh, from Canada. You're listening to Free Talk Live. Hello, Adam. Evening, folks. I heard you start the story, uh, start the show out with this story, and you've been teasing it ever since. But I just had to make sure the right part gets through there. I, certain words crossed my mind that were just staggering. I remember you breaking the story, but not in a school context. It was prisoners actually who were drinking this stuff originally. Do you remember? Yeah, as I understand it, uh, was uh, as I understand it, this originated in prisons. Right, and exactly, we're seeing a trend that originated on, for all we know, death row going down to junior high school now. How different are junior high schools from death row when you're 10 years old anyway? 
Well, how many of them are doing this on campus? I I don't know. I don't know if this is specifically about them doing it at school. I think it's just just them doing it as a way to get alcohol without having to lurk outside of a convenience store and uh, you know rope some uh, some adult into actually purchasing the alcohol for them. I think this is just a workaround for that. Well, may I, I may have jumped to a conclusion, but I didn't imagine kids waiting around after school to get high on alcohol when they have to sit there for eight hours. Oh, I see where you're coming from. I don't doubt that there are people bringing these things to school, bringing these pump bottles well, these to school. These things are already in schools. There's hand sanitizer everywhere in school. They're all over the place. It's true. Is that so? I mean, they don't have to bring it. That's a joke. The idea here is that the main thing I want people to take away is the fact that your, your junior high school students are acting like death row inmates, and that's a sign. Great point, Adam, and thanks for the call. What's tonight. the sign? Lay it out for the listener. I just dropped you there. He's gone. Got rid of him. Well, the sign is, the suggestion that he's uh, getting to is that, gosh, there sure are a lot of similarities between government schools and prisons. Yeah, they are both run and, by the government. And he's absolutely right about that. So, Nemi, uh, where is this from? BB, you said uh, NPR? NPR. And Mark, you are out of Boston. Yeah. You got a different version from uh, some other website. So this Daily is, Mail. It's going all over the place. Yeah. Sure is. And now more kids will hear Daily about it. news, excuse me. That's right. A spike in the number of teenagers who became ill after drinking hand sanitizer in L.A. County. 16 cases in March and April, according to the California Poison Control System. Now there's a flurry of reports from other parts of the country as well. Hand sanitizer kills germs because it's made with ethyl alcohol. That's the same stuff that gives a glass of wine its pleasant buzz. Okay. So you are incorrect, Mark. This is not uh, the type of alcohol you were expecting. Don't take your chemistry advice from talk show hosts, kids. There you go. I've never imbibed hand sanitizer, but my guess is it lacks the complex bouquet of a good Cabernet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's because I'm looking here at the uh, the, another article from BuzzFeed.com. 14 things you should know about the about drinking hand sanitizer, and the first one has a huge picture of a Purell bottle on it uh, kills uh, kills 99.99% of germs in 15 seconds with moisturizers and vitamin E. You don't typ- typically get moisturizers and vitamin E in, in your, uh, your bottle of vodka or whatever. Right. Which, by the way, the first fact, I'm going to mix some of these in here, a bottle of hand sanitizer contains the equivalent of five hard liquor shots. Now, of course, uh, we're not being told what size bottle. Yeah, what but, size uh, bottle. But I, I would presume one of those smaller size bottles that you would put in. Uh, like a purse or something like that. It's now, probably something you could certainly bring to school, too. This mm-hmm. NPR piece refers to a remark from Jimmy Kimmel, who did hand sanitizer shots with actor John Cusack on oh. Kimmel's show. He says, I feel cleaner inside, Kimmel said in the video. <laughs> but I also feel like I'm going to die. Teenagers oh apparently God. agree, and some have been using salt in an attempt to separate the gel from the alcohol. Hand sanitizers, as I said, are typically 60% alcohol. Um, that's 120 proof on par with some really strong vodkas, as Ian as Ian indicated. Right. So that's if you dr- if you know if you're drinking the hand sanitizer straight, it's 60 percent alcohol. But they're saying that there are teenagers who are actually using salt to separate the alcohol out from the sanitizer and therefore making it you know pure straight up alcohol without right. anything else. Uh, the California Poison Control has tracked about 2,600 cases of hand sanitizer ingestion since 2010. Most of them in small children who ate it by mistake. Uh, he said parents should regard... How many right. cases? Oh, just scroll 2, past 2,600. Okay. Yes. But remember, those are the only ones that get reported. Okay. Right? So, of course, the ones with the small children eating the hand, hand sanitizer by mistake, those are going to get reported because parents right. care about their kids. And they're going to right. report them. Uh, they're going to go to the hospital or whatever. Whereas teenagers, they're not going to report this stuff. So that is no, in no way an indicator of how popular this hand sanitizer is at all. I suppose it's, it, it does uh, indicate the ones that really have, uh, you know, feel like they've been harmed by it. 
Right, but if somebody just gets an upset uh, belly as a result of uh, drinking the hand sanitizer, they're not going to tell mom and dad about that, and they're just going to go on and be sick for a little while, get over it, and then probably go drink some more hand sanitizer when they can't find any real alcohol. Right, so the spike in hand sanitizer poisoning among teenagers is unusual, says the assistant medical director for the California Poison Control Center. Um, He has now uh, turned to Children's Hospital of Los Angeles to help publicize the issue. No one has died from ingesting hand sanitizer, he says, but ethyl alcohol is toxic. You can, yeah, alcohol poisoning. People die from alcohol poisoning frequently. It says parents should regard hand sanitizer as ethyl alcohol (laughs) is alcohol um, like we're familiar with. This is, uh, you know... Drinking alcohol. Drinking alcohol. Not isopropyl alcohol. Right. And when he says it's toxic, he means it's toxic in the sense that it will intoxicate you and it can kill you. But, you know, like I, I, I would assume that the things that's wrong with drinking hand sanitizer isn't the ethyl alcohol as much as what the ever the other ever, stuff is. Yeah, exactly. Perfumes and things that you shouldn't be ingesting. So he's, he says <laughs> parents, parents should regard hand sanitizer as you would medication and keep it tucked away. Right, but unfortunately, that's not how people have been treating hand sanitizer. Right. And it's, it's not everywhere. the way it's going to be treated with uh, teenagers. I mean, ha- parents, uh, you know, you've got a choice as a parent if you believe that hand sanitizer is a good thing to send your kid around with. I generally have a pocket with me, uh, some in my pocket if I go to a convention or something like that to handle uh, handshaking and that kind of thing. And I try to do it as surreptitiously as possible. These kids are going to what is the equivalent of a convention every, every day. day. Well, right. So, and a lot of parents are concerned about this. So they're sending them with with the hand sanitizer. Absolutely. So what else would they do? It's inconvenient to lock it up, uh, but it does give you some measure of control, he says. The other option, he said, is to go for less appealing foam hand sanitizers. Those of us who weren't born yesterday may recall teenagers' attempts to get a buzz by drinking mouthwash or Robitussin or even vanilla extract. Before you go on, just uh, as another side here, I just went and pulled up the ingredients for Purell brand hand sanitizer, which is a fairly popular uh, brand out there. Uh, according to, let's see, BotacTactical.com, uh, ethyl alcohol, 62%. But there are also inactive ingredients, which does include isopropyl, isopropyl alcohol. Okay. So both types of alcohol are in this. Of course, water, carbomer, whatever that is, tussiferyl acetate. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> Glycerin. Pro- sounds like it was something you could get in your normal box ice cream. I don't know. Propylene glycol, isopropyl myrosate, and fragrance. So that, these are all things that your you know, teens may be ingesting. Uh, the fragrance is the only thing I know that I don't want. Do you think you want tussiferyl acetate? I don't I'm know telling that you that you can go and look at you. That, that corn dog that you ate during the break probably has something that uh, is just as horrifying sounding. <laughs> <laughs> you want something? You want to eat some nitrites? <laughs> some nitrates? You want those? 855-450-FREE. Yeah, but people have been eating corn dogs forever. They haven't been eating hand sanitizer. Agreed. 855-450-FREE. Not its intended use. one 450 There's more yep, about this in more. moments. And uh, maybe you are a teenager and you've seen this. Maybe you've done it. Would love to hear from you. 855-453. The successes are piling up and proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. When you're planning your move to New Hampshire, consider Keene. Keene is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation. And there's plenty of political opportunity as well. 
though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, one of the busiest Liberty Forums in New Hampshire, and more at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. Toll-free number here, 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. A lot of features are awaiting you there. You can go and uh, interact on the bulletin board system. Just head over to bbs.freetalklive.com. You'll find other listeners there, and it's essentially our forum. Uh, Plus, we'll post show notes there, so stuff we've discussed on the air like uh, the article I read, uh, the speech from Red Jacket, uh, I'll post that later on. You can get that over on the BBS at bbs.freetalklive.com. Bitcoins are the world's first potentially anonymous digital cash. With bitcoins that are no contracts to sign or terms of service, you've got to abide by. Anyone can download the free Bitcoin software and be using them in just a few minutes. With bitcoins, you can send and receive money anywhere in the world without any fees. And to learn how, to learn more, visit weusecoins.org. It's weusecoins.org. And now, thanks to bitinstant.com, you can have bitcoins in less than an hour by depositing cash at any major bank. Buy your bitcoins with cash. Go to bitinstant.com. All right, so we'll continue here, especially when I hear from you if you've had experience with uh, teenagers, maybe you are a teenager or a parent, uh, teenagers drinking hand sanitizer. Yeah, the Purell stuff, that kind of product, that sticky, gooey gel that you uh, use to kill germs, they are using to get drunk. According to BuzzFeed.com, a bottle of hand sanitizer, and they don't specify the size, but the one they show is pretty small, only 240 milliliters, uh, contains the equivalent of five hard liquor shots, 60%. I wouldn't doubt it because uh, vodka, Nimi, vodka is 60 proof or 80 proof? I think it's 80 proof. Um, and so, the, so therefore... Which means it's 40% alcohol? Right. Um, okay. And they're claiming that it's 60 percent alcohol or 120 proof. So I'm thinking that one of those small things is probably, you know, a 2.5 ounce, uh, one of these three, three ounce thing. One of these things is probably the equivalent of five shots. So and so the teenagers are in some of them, some cases are actually using salt to separate the alcohol out from the sanitizer, which means they're just literally essentially doing chemistry on it. And Does that work. I don't know. According to this article, that's what they're doing, so that's it must be doing. effective. Well, uh, you Alvin, had, like, what, 14 tips for drinking hand sanitizer, no, right? No, no, no. This is the 14 things you need to know about drinking not hand tips. sanitizer. <laughs> well, no, I'd like to know some tips. I mean, I think that people, if people are drinking hand sanitizer, uh, I think that you know people need to know sort of the facts about that. Teenagers also are mixing it with Listerine. According to Albuquerque Police Department, uh, they, Chief Paul Feist says when mixed with 26% Listerine, hand sanitizer makes a strong cocktail. So you mix it up with Listerine, which is about a quarter alcohol. You mix the 62% uh, hand sanitizer up there. You probably end up with uh, you know a drink that's approximately vodka. And uh, the the Listerine makes it easier to swallow. It's not it tastes a, like a grasshopper. It's not jelly like it uh, like it would be straight from the hand sanitizer bottle. But Nemi, uh, you've been uh, sharing with us the story from NPR about this. Yeah, the NPR story just essentially says uh, this is a, a historically um, mouthwash and drinking vanilla extract, and these things have the the market has responded by lowering the alcohol content, which means people are either drinking more of it. Or they're moving on to other things like Robitussin. And then, again, the stores have moved things with uh, dextromorph- 
dextromethorphan thank you i can never say that word dmx they've moved to dxm thanks it's a disassociative right and um dmx is a uh, rapper right thing they moved it behind the counter so now you need to it's only a matter of time before you need to do what you do with how long is it going to be before they uh, start carding people for buying national national registry right oh don't even get me started on the national registry for buying cold syrup right like uh, cold cold medicine Oh God! What is the brand that they they really are attacking there? I'm Sudafed. Yeah, Sudafed. Sudafed. Yeah, but that doesn't have that. That's not dextromethorphan. That's no, 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 not at all. We're just yeah. talking about these different controls that they're putting on these drugs uh, because they don't want people to get out there and and use them. When in fact the problem is is and I mean you know if if it all comes down to it they'll huff gas or paint or they whatever sure they will. Find. And what it really comes down to is these kids want to alter their states. And they're going to figure out ways to alter their states. And the best way to avoid harm is to allow people to consume the drug of their choice. And the even new, teenagers. Even teenagers. And, you know. The, no, but not just to allow, if I may, to also educate. It has to be, yeah. You can't just tell a teenager or any child. No, don't do it. Because at some point, they're going to try specifically what you've uh, forbade. And so it's it's a much wiser path, in my opinion. And I'm not a parent. Mark, you are. But uh, Jack is nowhere near teenage years quite yet. you got about another another decade or so. Yeah, but I don't uh, intend I, – I, you know, I intend to make things like wine and beer available to my son. At what age? At, wh- as whatever, soon as possible? Oh, I'm not going to force it on him. No, but I mean – so you, you don't have an age set. So if, you know, if he's seven years old and wants to try daddy's beer, that's going to be fine, right? As far as I'm concerned, if he, if he expresses an interest in it, I think that that's – you know, it's the keeping it away from him that's the problem. I totally agree. And, yeah, I would agree too. And, you know, that's what the – that's what – that's why these kids are experimenting with hand sanitizer no kid that can go home and drink a, a glass of wine or two with dinner is going to drink hand sanitizer no way no way will they you're absolutely right about that so teaching your kids from an early age what alcohol is what it can do how to be responsible when drinking it that's the best way to handle it. and then also be a resource for them to where they can ask you questions about these matters, but also be someone who can help them engage in the behavior if they insist on doing it. I mean, hopefully you'll show them that, oh, look, you know, here's some video of people getting really wasted. And yeah. that'll it's not that exciting, that- kids. You right. wake up, you drink too much of the stuff, you wake up with a headache. Whoopee. Right. Um, you know, I mean, the hope is with this is to avoid these situations in Europe, where people can drink, you have a lower incidence of alcoholism. Right. However, how many? How much hand sanitizer is being uh, consumed? In what was it? Uh, Ireland, where if you can sit down at the bar uh, and they'll serve you, then you can be served. Is yeah. Ireland? Now Ireland, I wouldn't. I would not claim that uh, that alcoholism alcoholism rates are lower in Ireland than they are in the United States, but they they certainly are in Maine. But we're Europe. talking about teenage drinking and the safety level of it. Uh, how many people are going to guzzle hand sanitizer if they can just go into the bar and sit down at the bar and order a drink? Right. At that point, you know, if your kid's going to drink, what do you want them to drink? Exactly. And that's kind of what this, the point of this discussion is, as we've, uh, similar to one, uh, discussions we've had in the past, is to accept the idea that people are going to alter their states of consciousness, whether we're talking about with, uh, with other so-called hard drugs. By the way, alcohol is a very hard drug. We know what happens when you prohibit the use of alcohol among teenagers. You get people drinking Listerine and hand sanitizer. Yep. Now we can see what the results are. How In case much you of hadn't this seen you it want? before, because I mean it's yeah. it's old news that people have been drinking uh, Listerine and things like that. And of course, everybody knows that teenagers are not 
typically known as the most responsible drinkers, even if they can get their hands on alcohol. Well, they who, don't know how to drink it. Who taught you guys how to drink responsibly? Teenagers. Right. 16. Oh, to drink responsibly? Yes. I didn't learn it until I was in my uh, mid to late 20s. Okay. So yeah. it was through trial and error? Uh, no, it was, it was from my girlfriend at the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, nobody sat me down and gave me a speech on or, or instructions or a manual on how to drink responsibly. When did you figure it out? Um, I also learned through trial and error, and it was in college because I didn't mm-hmm. drink until after I was out of high school. I uh, drank and got really wasted on my 17th birthday and really regretted it, and I quit drinking entirely. But when I started up drinking again five years later, uh, I hadn't changed my habits necessarily. Right. So I never really learned. Uh, but even the negative experience didn't teach me how to drink responsibly. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's where having someone to teach you certain things and hold your hand through something is, uh, is useful. 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control more about hand sanitizer chugging in moments. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Your comments certainly welcome on teens drinking hand sanitizer. But you can also take control of the airwaves here. 855-450-FREE. Here with you tonight, it is Ian. Nemi. And Mark. Uh, once again, 1-855-450-3733. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. You can, of course, join us over at freetalklive.com. And you can enjoy various different website features we have, including the mobile site. Uh, for those of you with a smartphone, you can visit m, as in mobile, freetalklive.com to get quick access to our live streams and the podcast. Once again, go to m.freetalklive.com. Uh, you know, the phone lines are brought to you by SACL CAI. They are the, uh, the sponsor of our phone lines, and they're, in fact, an organization that will do accounts receivable for your business. So if you've got a business and you didn't get into that business to, I don't know, collect bills and send out paperwork and do all that stuff, SACL CAI can do it for you. You can go to freetalklive.com. It's the top one on the right-hand side of the page. Banners, I mean. SACL CAI. All right. So we're continuing discussion about uh, something that is apparently becoming at least noteworthy to the news media, how widespread it is. They do love this stuff. And I don't know how widespread it is either. I mean, when I was a kid, it was uh, um, stickers that you lick and stuck on something that must have acid in them. That is such a myth. I think it I think it largely had to have been. It's a, it's a I mean, because t- people are going to do that. People really are going to give away f- uh, $5 hits of acid on stickers that I've never seen before to kids to in elementary the Halloween schoolers. baskets. Yeah, yeah, not going to happen. Uh, but I think what kind of brought that about, Mark, is that some blotter acid does have pictures of cartoon characters it on it. It does have a funny look to so it. So I yeah. think that's where those, uh, th- those fears came from. But still, again, the idea of uh, marketing blotter acid to elementary schoolers is absolutely ludicrous. That's, not, that's just not happening. Uh, 855-450-FREE, when you're selling drugs, you preferably want to sell it to people that actually have money. Mm-hmm. Uh, elementary schoolers, probably not the best uh, target audience. So we've been discussing this, uh, you know, young people in America apparently drinking hand sanitizer. There's video of it happening online, but is that video happening because someone's talking about it in the media, or was it around before the media began uh, reporting on it? 
Which came first, the egg or the uh, chicken with a microphone? Because I can tell you now that this story has blown over, uh, blown open big. I mean, it's uh, it's NPR, it's international. There's the Daily uh, the Daily Mail reporting on it, BuzzFeed.com. I mean, I've actually got it. I'm sorry, I keep on telling you. I've got one article from the Daily Mail that isn't about this. It's the Daily News from New York Daily News. Oh, okay. The New York Daily News and other websites and other papers are reporting on this. So now, of course... There's going to be more buzz around drinking sure. hand sanitizer than ever before. Parents are going to be sitting down there, teenagers, and saying, "All right, Jim, you're going to you can tell me if you've drank any hand sanitizer. <laughs> you know that, right? What? Well, if you've drank any hand sanitizer, you could drink hand sanitizer. Why does your breath smell like fragrance? <laughs> no, no, you shouldn't drink hand sanitizer." Well, what are you talking about drinking hand sanitizer for? Like, you know, this conversation's going on all over America. So there's uh, 14 things you need to know about drinking hand sanitizer, according to BuzzFeed.com. I'll try to slip some of these in here to the discussion. Number four uh, being you'll get drunk really fast, uh, according to Cyrus Rangan, the director of Toxicology Bureau for the County Public Health Department and medical toxicology consultant for Children's Hospital in L.A. He says all it takes is just a few swallows and you have a drunk teenager. Let's go to Justin listening in Charleston, West Virginia to WVTS. Hey, Justin. Hey, guys, how's it going? What's on your mind tonight? Not much, man. I just wanted to comment on the kids drinking hand sanitizer, man. Um, I think <laughs> I think if um, marijuana was legal, and I do not smoke, I used to, but I am a supporter. <laughs> I think if this was legal already, then we wouldn't even have this problem. Because me personally, when you know, when I have kids one day, which... I hope I do. I would much rather them be drinking for one thing, or I would much rather them smoke than drink any day, because I think drinking and people are so accepted, acceptive to alcohol and the whole culture of it. I think it is ten times worse than a lot of other drugs and different things out there. It's dangerous. Sure. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. I agree that it's, it's dangerous, so but yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, as a parent sitting here and knowing the societal yeah. pressures, I agree that alcohol is more dangerous than marijuana. But with the societal yeah. pressures that are out there, I can imagine my son having some wine or some beer, um, you know, yeah. with his family at dinner. I can't imagine for a second token my son up. Well, yeah, but your wife would have a problem with it, right? Of course she would, but she might have very well have a problem with the wine too. Who oh knows? really? You haven't you haven't discussed this with her yet? I've talked to her about it, but she, you know, she she's she's a pretty socially conservative individual. She hasn't said no. She's just like, Mer. well, just show her the hand sanitizer Mer. article. Maybe she'll get it. And maybe she'll get it. But no, you're absolutely right, Justin. Ideally, ideally, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't want my kids to do anything like that. But I'm just saying, if I did, I mean, you can drive. You can, you know, it's safer to drive. It doesn't make you make ridiculous, stupid decisions. I mean, usually you're more cautious about every decision you make. This is just from experience. I mean, I'm not, I don't even, like I said, I don't smoke anymore. I had a panic attack, and it was out the door. By any more, do you mean earlier today? No, no, no. No, I promise. I'm good, man. I I just, I mean, I had my fun for many years, so it's probably. Sure, and people's people's physiology changes uh, over over time as well, and so the the way you react to it. Uh, will it will change yeah. and adjust as well, and so you're you're absolutely right. If uh, marijuana were legal, then teenagers, or if it were decriminalized, then teenagers would uh, perhaps be more focused on that. But of course, we already know teenagers can get their pot today. Uh, in fact, some yeah. say it's even easier for teenagers to get pot Those than it is statistics. to get alcohol. So really, the only solution here that's going to stop crazy. 
crazy stuff like teens drinking hand sanitizer is to make it so marijuana and alcohol are available uh, are available yeah, and exactly. I know it sounds crazy right it sounds radical uh, yeah. you know they should be available to teenagers because when you talk about uh, decriminalizing or legalizing marijuana usually everybody that's proposing something politically is always like well of course we shouldn't let teenagers have it it should only right. be for 18 and up and no no that's not going to solve your problems I, it's something else too I mean I was all about drinking before I turned 21. I, you know, it was so much fun. It was just, you know, it was just, I think it was just the thrill of it. It's like, oh my God, you know, we can't be doing this right now. Sneaking a beer, going into of a course. bar. And you, can, you know, and now that I'm, I'm, you know, 21, it's just, it's not even, <laughs> I don't know. It's not as like. It's, it, does, it doesn't have the same allure. It doesn't have the same appeal. Yeah. It's, it's not the forbidden fruit uh, that it once yeah, was. exactly. I'd say you nailed it, Justin. Thanks for the call tonight, man. I appreciate hearing from you at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. If only more people could understand that. Look, if you keep you know teens and young people away from these things, if you attempt to keep them away with threatening them with violence and putting them in cages and uh, you know caging their friends, raiding their parties, it's not going to stop them. It never has. Well, it's an adult thing to do. And it and I'll, the teenagers I know all want to be treated like an adult. Of course. So they go out and try to do adult things like these going out and drinking alcohol or smoking cigarettes or whatever. Right. And, and so the, why put an age restriction on it? And why is there, a, I, I mean, even as it is today and as you, you guys and I grew up, there was really no education and proper use. No, it's just just say no. That's yeah. the only education. That's it. So okay, so how do you how do you navigate that? And there's got to be some sort of education here that isn't trial and error or trial by fire in yeah. some cases. The numbers they give, and I can only guess that these numbers are way way too low. Um, is that I, maybe it's just for illegal drugs? But sixty six percent of uh, high school students have tried marijuana or other illegal drugs. And if you throw in alcohol, which is basically an illegal drug for a high school student, I can only imagine the numbers are very, very high. Um, And then, you know, the policy was just say no, and it's really not much different now. If you've got something with a failure rate of 66%, wouldn't you try something new? Right. Just say no louder. 855-450-FREE. And, of course, you know, the Just Say No message really works, uh, especially when it comes to teens having sex as well. I mean, that's really been a success. Oh, wait. No. I'd love to throw that, their numbers into the mix, uh, the alcohol, illegal drugs, and, and uh, sex. sex into the mix, because this is what the policy has been all along for teenagers. Yeah. No, 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 no. And ultimately, all you have to do is ask them, when was the first time you, if but they're going to be honest with Not just with them. You, Anybody. Yeah, because the, they'll be on, the older people the cops, will be honest with you. Right, including the cops enforcing it. I remember when I was walking down the street uh, talking to a cop, I asked him uh, if he drank underage, and he didn't want to answer that question. 855-453, the SACL CAI toll free line. This is Free Talk Live. The Seasteading Institute. They want to create freedom on the open seas. Did you know they're having a conference? You could meet fellow forward thinkers and discover where you fit into the up-and-coming, for-profit seasteading sector. It's May 31st to June 2nd at La Meridian Hotel in San Francisco. Discounted registration prior to May the 1st. Special rates for students and the press. Get 10% off with promo code FTL. Get registered before May the 1st at seasteading.freetalklive.com. Seasteading.freetalklive.com. 
Free Talk Live, toll-free number here, 855-450-FREE. Have you ever come across this supposed fad of teenagers drinking hand sanitizer? 1-855-450-3733. It's certainly hitting the news in a big way. All three of us happen to come in tonight with this news story and different from different sources. Uh, yours was the New York Daily News, Mark. Uh, Nemi, you've got one from NPR. Yeah, Christian uh, Science Monitor and the LA Times as well. Yep, uh, BuzzFeed.com uh, also has information about this. And uh, and you certainly, again, if you've got comments, 855-450-FREE, you can also join us over at freetalklive.com, and that's where you can enjoy various features on the house, including uh, news updates, uh, as well as listening options and so much more. Go to freetalklive.com, and if you like the show, then you can promote us by going to promote.freetalklive.com. Uh, just shipped out a bumper sticker tonight, as a matter of fact, so you can get a free bumper sticker and there are other things there to help you promote Free Talk Live at promote.freetalklive.com. Zeus, the guy who does the, the liners here on Free Talk Live, when you uh, hear the, the Mr. Big Voice, Free Talk Live. That's Zeus. He also does them for Liberty Radio Network at lrn.fm. He's working on a video game and needs some support. Rob Swigert's Portal, it's a 26-year-old science fiction saga where uh, an astronaut returns to Earth to find the rest of humanity has vanished without a trace. And only artificial intelligence uh, named Homer can help him find out what's happened. This thing deals with love, tyranny, rebellion, isolation, fear, and a whole lot more. You can find out more about it in the games tab at subliminalgames.com. It's subliminalgames.com. We've been discussing this uh, apparent new fad, something that teenagers are recording themselves doing, putting on YouTube. Uh, They're also showing up at emergency rooms. The L.A. Times says six teenagers have shown up in two San Fernando Valley emergency rooms in just the last few months with alcohol poisoning after drinking hand sanitizer, which is approximately 62 percent. In the case of Purell, it's uh, 62 percent ethyl alcohol. And uh, the teenagers are drinking this stuff. California is where it's very popular. Also, Alaska and Missouri uh, apparently have a growing trend. Uh, According to BuzzFeed.com, one of their things you need to know about drinking hand sanitizer, it can cause diarrhea, blindness, memory loss, and even damage to your internal organs. And uh, according to, let's see, news out of uh, New Zealand... This actually originated in New Zealand prisons where uh, prisoners were found to have mixed hand sanitizer with sugar-based fruit drink, which is, you know, the bug juice they uh, give you there in prison. They mixed in some hand sanitizer with that and were found highly intoxicated uh, by some of the uh, guards there at their prison. Also, a man in Australia once drank six bottles of hand sanitizer and survived. Uh, So apparently... I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, you can find videos on YouTube of this. But there and, are people that have drank a fifth of Jack Daniels and survived, too. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so, And they go on to say that if you are a parent who's concerned about this, you can always use the foam hand sanitizer. It's a lot more difficult for them to extract alcohol from it. Uh, and, Nemi, was there more that you wanted to share from no, the really. NPR piece? We pretty much covered everything. What are some of the other tips? You said, or not tips, but uh, things you that's, need to know. That's about it. They go on. I mean, there's a, f- a handful more. Are you here, familiar but... with the foam version? Because I may have seen some stuck to a wall, but I don't believe I've ever seen like a carry version of the ho- the sanitizer. Because you know, the, the I have never seen carry foam. If that's what you're saying, yeah. Uh, there's also what is it? Tricycline or whatever it is. The I forget what the active ingredient is in a lot of uh, hand soap, but there's pump hand soap, right? Like you've seen the hand soap stuff on the wall, sure. like in different places. That may not actually be sanitizer; it may be soap. So sometimes, I, yeah. 
So but just because seen, it's foam doesn't mean it's hand sanitizer. Sure. I'm saying. I, I've seen foam foam hand sanitizer. I'm just you know wondering if that you carry with you because the convenient thing about the little hand sanitizer things is that they're you know they're three ounces right they fit in your pocket you know what the the cap itself is not that big of a deal you know it's it's just a short little distance between the goop and getting it out of the cap right so it's pretty convenient and that's one of the reasons that I like carrying it um, but you know situations where I'm going to be shaking a lot of hands and touching a lot of people. Whereas this foam stuff, I imagine you've got to have a pumper because we've got foaming hand right. soap at my Correct. house, right. and there's some there's, there's a, a mechanism involved. Right. Yep, that's true. So you are correct. Yeah, I'm just thinking that it's a pretty inconvenient to try to carry pump uh, hand sanitizer. But we have on your to person. keep the kids from drinking it, Mark. You know, it's either that or demand ID. Well, right. And you know this is going to go in the wrong direction. Yeah. Nobody who sees this news article is going to say, well, doggone it, this is perfect evidence that alcohol prohibition is still with us, that we need to abolish the drinking age and allow each individual store owner to decide for themselves how old to sell, uh, you know, uh, of how of what age their purchasers of alcohol must be. We'll allow this uh, individual autonomy. We're going to abolish the liquor control boards. We're going to set it into a free market uh, scenario with alcohol because we care about teenagers and we realize that teens are going to use alcohol and so therefore we want them to use it in as healthful and as as safe a manner as possible and we understand that abolishing this just say no attitude abolishing prohibition for teenagers drinking or people under the age of 21 uh drinking because we want them to survive no one is going to come out there with that. That's well, the most caring, compassionate, uh, the safest uh, method, the most harm-reducing method to approach this. But no, they're they'd rather come people this. catch influenza, from which far more people die than alcohol poisoning every year. They'd rather them catch influenza than have the hand sanitizer. They are going to crack down. That's going to be the answer. If anything politically comes out of this, it's some politician is going to say, well, clearly we need more controls over these hand sanitizers. We've got to have ID checks. Uh, there ought to be a law. Yeah, well, there will be. And just give it time. Maybe not right now, but somebody's going to propose something, and all those laws are going to be enforce, enforce, enforce. It's not going to be allow. It's not going to be understand. It's not going to be assist. Yep. And then it's, it's arrest, 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 arrest. Right. So, um, you know, I mean, <laughs> whatever it is that you're trying to save teenagers from, it's probably not as bad as a permanent record. Right. Absolutely. Let's go to Jerry, listening in Huntsville, also known as Shadow. Uh, Shadow, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, why do you change your name so often? Same name I was born with. Oh, I'm sorry. You don't. You're not Shadow. I was told that uh, that you were Shadow. I apologize. The uh, the no, board no, up no, no, got no. it I'm, wrong. I'm just strictly Jerry. Sorry, and I Jerry. probably represent ninety percent of the things that y'all truly hate. What do you mean by uh, that? I was in the Marine Corps. I just retired with thirty six years of the police department. I'm a born again Christian, and bless your heart, I love all of you. <laughs> oh, I, just, I don't. I don't hate Jerry. I'm not a hateful guy. <laughs> but you had said something. First part of this week, or the latter part of last week, uh, said that homicide clearance rates were down to six or seven percent. I don't uh, think I said that. What is homicide clearance rates? Tell me what that is. It's the number of homicides that are cleared by arrest. Means meaning solved. Solved. Uh, a, yeah, a, yeah, solved homicide. Uh, What's the current you, rate? You had mentioned seven percent, and it is now between sixty-one and sixty-five percent nationally. Now, that's down considerably from the 91% back to the 60s when they began keeping the statistics. But, you know, I, I enjoy listening to y'all. You give me a, a different outlook on 
everything. And I just wanted to point out that, you know, be more aware of what you're saying, rather than just because well, you're Well, that's mad, interesting, because I'd heard that it was 80%. I certainly didn't say 70%. I heard it was 80% that go unsolved. Yeah, I but heard. I had corrected you on that one time before, and, um, you know, I, I went and looked it up, and uh, some number cons- uh, was commensurate to what Jerry's talking about was what right. I had gotten, too, um, because, you know, it's pretty easy. They, for one, A... They don't always get the right person, um, and usually exactly. they go, you know, usually the person that's most likely to kill you is the person you're sleeping with, so that's the first person they go for. Exactly, and there are cases that are clear, but they don't make an arrest. They know who did it, but like I've, I've told people my entire career, the police officers cannot do their job without the help of the citizens. Right, and if, uh, if they want more people to help them, then they should stop arresting the peaceful ones. Don't you agree, Jerry? If if they're peaceful, if they're not breaking any laws, sure. Well, no, 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 no because no. you can be peaceful and break laws, right? Like so, by carrying a bag of pot on my person, I'm not uh, being I'm not being distra- you know disruptive. I'm not being non-peaceful, uh, but I right. am breaking a so-called law. So, wouldn't you agree that if you'd get no, like, for instance, it's not, the, a so-called, it's not a so-called law; it is a law. Well, it's so it's yeah, words people wrote on paper, and that's all it is to me, Jerry. Exactly. It's just you know strange men and women yep. sitting in a room somewhere in uh, in in Alabama there that are passing laws and. I'm not interested they're not, they're in, in not strange people. They're elected officials. No, they. I don't and know who they are. They're strangers. If you don't like the laws, then change the no, laws. No, it doesn't work. That uh, it doesn't no, really that's work. Like, that's like don't shoot me. I'm the messenger. Yeah, but you're the one. And you're the one. And you're the one hurting people, Jerry, by uh, by no, arresting no, people. Jerry, I'm you you walked anyone. into this one with this guy. But let me ask you this um, this question because I I understand where you're coming from on this. Is what about? the people that were enforcing the laws on the runaway slaves back in the 1800s or the people over in Germany that were enforcing those laws? Those societies had those laws. I'm not saying they were right, but they were the laws. But they you would have enforced them, wouldn't the you? You would have enforced them if you were a cop back then. I don't know. You know, it, I don't know that I would have. I would not That's have. good. I'm glad that you can draw a line somewhere. I'd like you to think about what laws you might not enforce today if they were passed, and then give us a call another time and tell us about it, because well, I'm curious let me, to find let me say, let I wish I could let you, Jerry. But, uh, we're, narrow, we're nailed to the clock, so call us tomorrow night. Well, a little earlier in the hour, we'll be happy to talk to you for a longer uh, length I'll of time. More coming up tomorrow. I'll see you then. Free Talk Live. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. It's another edition of the Edgington Post show here on Free Talk Live with uh, Mark Edgington. And I've got with me today Andrew Langer, president of the Institute for Liberty. Andrew, are you there? I am, Mark. Thank you for having me on. Certainly. Now, I, today we're going to talk about uh, freedom around fisheries. And I think that this is a very interesting um, area because you don't have that monopoly privilege on the use of force in a given landmass known as governments out in the open seas. And yes. I, how do fishermen work out property rights in fisheries? Well, obviously, it, it actually uh, all goes back to a lot of the traditions that have been started uh, in commonly held resources on land. And that, that's, you know, the blueprint for what we're talking about is stuff that's been practiced over, you know, both informally and formally over, frankly, many centuries uh, as we've developed the sort of uh, the, the various rules of law surrounding uh, property, both real property, uh, as in land and, and, uh, and otherwise. 
Uh, and one of the things that you know we're we're always struggling with um, as uh, conservatives or libertarians is you know how we can apply these to real world situations, how we can apply our principles. And about ten years ago, eh, twenty years ago, uh, a school of thought emerged in something called uh, free market environmentalism, okay. which was this idea that you can use markets and you can use uh, the uh, the basic tenets of conservative libertarianism to deal with these sorts of public policy problems. And so, Mark, what, we're, what we get to generally are issues uh, which surround commonly held resources. Uh, Gifford Pinchot, who was the first chief of the U.S. Forest Service, talked about the tragedy of the commons, uh, i.e., if nobody owns a resource, nobody has a vested interest in seeing that resource preserved and protected. It's why, for instance, uh, buffalo... Uh, uh, buffalo went extinct, or almost went extinct, and why cattle uh, emerged as the dominant uh, uh, large-scale bovine-type mammal out on the plains. Or, likewise, why uh, many species of birds have died um, um, uh, or become endangered, whereas chickens flourish. It's because if you have uh, some sort of an ownership interest in that resource, uh, you're going to maximize its potential. And that's where we get to this issue of oceanic fisheries. Uh, and it's not a perfect system. You know, everybody's still working on it, not the least of which is because, you know, as you point out, oceans are international. Um, but there are uh, international agreements surrounding fisheries. And, um, you know, folks who sort of follow suit and go along with those international agreements, well, they're they're working within this system that we're calling uh, well, there's anyway. There, there are lots of different acronym terms here, but right now we call the you sort of the general term we use is catch shares. Um, you know, the, the, you dividing up the shares of a particular catch in marine fishery. So, um, I guess I'm trying to imagine this. There, are, you know, say people off the the coast of Myrtle Beach. Um, that's pretty yes. clear. Pretty clearly United States type water, and I I don't know how far it goes out. I think it's like a hundred miles for um, fishermen are protected in the U.S. waters. But if you go out a hundred yes. hundred and twenty miles out into the water, I, does that mean that folks can come from you know bring their fishing boats from India to fo- uh, to to fish out there? Is that uh, particularly good water well, to fish in? In theory, and, and you get some of the larger countries, not so much India, but, but China, which sort of fishes away from its population. But most oceanic fishery f- fishing is done within a certain geographic reach, if for no other reason than the boats themselves are limited by their fuel, and, and you know they just have a certain range that they can go in. Um, so you, you have it, uh, you, you, you do have that sort of limited range opportunity. You sometimes get these massive fishing vessels, but again, they're limited by their size, and once they fill up their quotas, they have to return to port. So, you know, generally you're talking about uh, uh, folks within a particular nationality who are fishing within a particular range of their home ports themselves. Uh, and, and so what happens with these, uh, and, and fish tend to stick to, I mean, yes, you have fish stocks that roam around, but they also tend to stick to certain geographic areas. And, and so... Um, the way that we've worked it out here and the way some, you know, some of other nations have worked it out is something called an individual fishing quota. Okay. Which is to say, you know, it, some consortium of fishermen get together uh, and they decide how much fish is going to be able to cop within a given year. 
and then you know they divide that up by the number of licenses that are out there, and then uh, you know you fish your quota. And instead of having everybody go out every day and bring back as much fish as possible, and thus abuse abuse the resource, uh, there's now an incentive to maximize the. Uh, the, the the resource over the long term. So who are these? Uh, so, so uh, yeah, I've got a couple of questions. Who hands out these yeah, licenses? Well, it's it's done it's it's done at a regional level. It's that uh, you have you have regional sort of fishing agencies that get together, and they're supposed to be comprised exclusively of the fishermen themselves, uh, okay. and it's supposed to be a mix of both large fishermen and smaller fishermen, so that there is a certain degree of equity and you sort of can't get the crony capitalism that can happen. Uh, the problem arises where you have certain regional fisheries that allow outside stakeholders in, whether it be uh, you know, radical environmentalists who want to shut down the fisheries themselves and vastly underestimate the fish stocks, or you have uh, uh, union officials who, again, uh, have their own sort of vested interests and are, in fact, you know, sort of they are they are working hand in glove with larger interests themselves, so they want to shut out non-union boats, and that's a big problem. So you uh, and non-union boats and non-union dock operations and the folks who use non-union uh, operations. So you know it's one of those things where again it's not a perfect system, but it's certainly better than simply um, allowing the resource to sort of go uh, and be abused. Now, um, what about if okay? So if there's if the fishermen are handing out licenses to the fishermen, then what my guess would be is that uh, it's pretty darn hard to become a fisherman, um, you know, be the new guy on the block and get yourself a license. Well, that that's true. The, you know, the the thing about it is, you know, it's unlike, for instance, uh, taxi and livery, where you have these sort of artificial uh, franchises and a and a limit to the marketplace. Um, you know, you, you you have a relatively low cost of entry generally in a livery industry and a protectionist racket in terms of uh, rates and, and rate setting and things like that are controlled by a few cartels. Fishing is different insofar as, you know, you have an actual resource out there that's that's limited uh, and the, the cost, the barriers to entry are rather high. You don't get a lot of folks who are trying to invest. And then, yeah, it... it you you do have um, an additional startup cost in terms of getting that license and getting the access. But on the other hand, you do also have a lot of folks who are getting out of the fishing biz because it has become so darn hard uh, because of uh, because of the depletion of the oceanic fisheries. You got a lot of guys who are getting out of the business. So there is an actual market in um, in the shares themselves. Okay. Uh, and you get you, you do get you do, do get trade, and unlike the other criticism that's been levied, is that it's similar to cap and trade. Uh, the difference here is that you actually have a, a, a market good that is out there that's actually being used by someone. You don't have sort of government creating the marketplace. Um, yeah, that makes and if some I could sense. Just go back and, and if I can go back and sort of talk a little bit about the, the need. And, and listen, I'm as much of a, of a government skeptic as anybody else. I am. Um, the problem here is this goes back to again the sort of the roots that the, that this has in land property rights. Um, somebody at some point has to be the arbiter of the the title to the property that's being sold, and you know at least in America for the first hundred and fifty years, 
it wound up being the government, especially as we were settling the West. It was the federal government that was clearing title to vast tracts of land to ensure that there was a legitimate title clearance so that folks who bought land actually owned that land. Um, and obviously there were, there were clearly skirmish wars out there with uh, land agents, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, in the end, you needed government there to, to clear that title. Uh, there are obviously other ways to do it. Um, and I've written extensively about sort of guild models and environmental regulation. Um, but again, there's no sort of perfect model. You just sort of, hey, you know, this is, this is one and this is the one that just seems to work best given the circumstances right now. Yeah, you might be able to come with – it's like the metric system. It's a better system than what we have today, but what we have today sort of has uh, perpetuated itself through time. Um, you know. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it's, it's one of these things where, you know, I, I, would, have, I, I would have been more skeptical had uh, some really well-respected uh, libertarian uh, writers not, and, and scholars not have been working on this issue. Uh, this, this whole process – um, it, it was it builds on some work done by uh, a gentleman now at the Reason Foundation, um, used to be at the Competitive Enterprise Institute Center for Private Conservation, uh, Dr. Michael D'Alessi. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he really started this off in his book, uh, Fishing for Solutions, uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s. So what happens to countries like Paraguay and Liechtenstein and well, I, you know, obviously Paraguay and, you know, these, these countries are not generally fishing in our waters. Uh, you know, they're going to be, especially in a place like Paraguay, they're going to be fishing off their own coast. I think similarly with Liechtenstein, it, it, you know, you run that, you, you run the risk, obviously, um, with countries that do move into our waters themselves and they have an impact. Uh, and that's really where sort of, uh, our, you know, the international relations, the relations between the U.S. and whatever country happens to be moving into our fisheries comes into place, uh, whether it's the USTR or the State Department or, uh, you know, a host of other offices. Um, they're the ones who are supposed to be out there uh, safeguarding uh, these interests. Um, but right now, the sort of the primary issue is getting these sort of regional fishing authorities together uh, with, uh, you know, with uh, uh, U.S. U.S. fishermen around the country. And that is the other part of it, too, by the way, which is to say that it's not as though it is uh, one very small office within the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration um, in Washington that's making these decisions. One of the other things that really should ring well with uh, conservatives and other trains alike is the role that federalism plays and the devolution of power to the localities themselves or the regions themselves, in order to sort of uh, um, uh, dole out these uh, or uh, equitably equitably divide up these resources. So what I was specifically asking were questions about countries that yeah. have no coastline themselves. Are they included in this or excluded in this as far as their fishermen, quote-unquote, fishermen go? Well, again, they're not, part, they're not from the United States, so they're not a part of this uh, limited access program okay. that, that deals with U.S. fishermen. So, so no, theoretically, they wouldn't. Um, but in terms of, I suppose, uh, internationally, if they got involved, I'm sure that they that they that they could, if this is sort of adopted on an international basis. What countries does the United States deal with as far as uh, fishing, you know, nearby? As uh, you know, who's who's allowed in the club in this uh, regional club? Well, I, I, well, again, in terms of in terms of these limited access programs, this only applies to U.S. fishermen. 
Um, you know, only because, again, because of the range issues and the, sort of the bulk of the fishing stocks that our, uh, our, our you know, federal government tends to be concerned with are those that are sort of in the immediate waters around the United States. Um, in terms of folks that do fish in and around the U.S., uh, that generally happens more on the Pacific coast. Uh, you're sort of dealing with uh, uh, China and Russia. Uh, they tend to trawl the Bering Straits. Um, and honestly, I don't recall sort of how that's dealt with in that region. Um, I, I know that uh, the, the fishermen up off of Alaska are very happy, by and large, with, uh, with this program. Um, then, you know, sort of on the East Coast, you're dealing with, you know, occasionally you'll get the, the uh, you know, the Portuguese that, that'll stray a bit far. Obviously, down in the, uh, the, the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico, uh, you get some... Um, uh, some Mexican fishing boats and some Cuban, but again, on the scale that we're talking about, they're not—they're they're not that impactful. So, where do people go to find out more about, um, you know, what, what you've been working on as far as, uh, you know, property rights in the area of uh, fisheries and that kind of thing? Well, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of fisheries, uh, go visit our. our we have a mic. Uh, what was that? I'm sorry. Hold, hold on just a second. It, it, you broke up. You broke up right there. Uh, re- please repeat. You have what? Sorry. Yeah, our, it's ferristcatch.org. Okay. And we're working on a whole bunch of property rights issues right now. And so go to our website, uh, www.instituteforliberty.org, and you'll be able to find out more of the stuff we're working on. Well, tell me real quick what they are. I've got about two minutes. Oh, sure. I mean, one of the other great projects we're working on is this thing called the Fan Freedom Project, which is this idea that if you buy a ticket to a concert or sporting event, you have property rights in those tickets, and you should be able to buy it or sell it on the secondary marketplace or even giving it away. And as it happens, the biggest crony capitalist on the block in this industry is trying to prevent folks from even being able to give away their tickets. And so we've been pushing back at the state level uh, fighting for the property rights of, of ticket holders. Um, and we've actually we've had some really nice successes in the last few weeks, well, which I, is great. I, I am, I'm really glad to hear that. And if you do have some success in uh, making it so that people have the freedom to you know give away, buy, and sell tickets uh, on a secondary market, I'd love to hear more about that. Um, well, check it. Yeah, I'd love to come back on and talk about www.fanfreedom.org. Excellent. Um, also, what about, uh, you know, I mean, when, when, you're, when you're talking about tickets, my, uh, you know, you can't give away plane tickets anymore. You bought it in your name. You got to fly in your name, right? Yeah. Well, you see, for that, I mean, that there is a, there is a, there, you know, we we recognize there's a national security exception to to that. Um, I mean, it's, but you're you're absolutely right. There has been this movement in that sphere over the years. Um, what's what we're really concerned about is that you know, given the precedents that have happened in the airline uh, and other transit ticket industries. That they're going to that they're applying this now to concert tickets, and we're trying to make it clear, you know, to Ticketmaster that there is no national security exception <laughs> for them. That they're not fighting the war on terror. There you, um, go. you know, it's 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 you know, this is it's it's insane what they're trying to do. Excellent, Andrew Langer. Thanks for the thanks for the interview. Available now, four new songs from Raja Mojo. Raja Mojo. That's R-A-J-A-M-O-J-O. Raja Mojo. Raja Mojo. 
call it democracy. Raja Mojo. Everybody knows the game is rich. The poor stay poor, the rich stay rich. Four new songs from Raja Mojo. Buy them today at Amazon, iTunes, Napster, and at a discount at cdbaby.com.